When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From lunch through to tea, this is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Happy New Week, everybody. Welcome to your Monday afternoon session. We're here from 12 till 3. Let's review the weekend of sport. We throw it open. What were your highlights? What were your lowlights? What did you really enjoy? Um, gosh, what what a result for Novak Djokovic, the Serbian. 23 Grand Slams. He's 36 years old now and still the best player in the world. And he's now won three French Opens, three US Opens, seven Wimbledons, ten Australians, and he's won two out of four slams this year. I'd love him to go four in a row. Uh, July 3rd is the next one, Wimbledon. He's won 11 of the last 20 Grand Slams, which is just incredible, half of them. Iga Swiatek, uh, she beat Machova in three sets as well, uh, but the French Open done and dusted. I just mentioned to Smithy, Magnificent performance in the weekend by Maya Ramsden, who's out of Wellington, but um, she's at university over in the States, and she won the NCAA 1500 metres for women. Now the sixth fastest woman of all time, and still very young. Um, just amazing. Uh, Bryn Gatlin's off to Japan uh, at the end of this Chiefs one, which is now, I think he's got a, a damaged bicep, but he's going to go and play for the same team as Brody Retallick. Of course, Australia won the World Test Championship in the first session of the fifth day when it was not evenly poised, but either side could have won it, but they got torn up by the Australians. We've got the semi-finals of Super Rugby to look forward to. Uh, two Kiwis, Brendan Hartley and Earl Bamber, finished second and third in Le Mans. And how about those Warriors? How about those Warriors? What a match that was. We're going to chuck the lines open for Midday Madness today. Tell us about your weekend of sport, highlights, lowlights, and all the lights in between fairy lights, Christmas lights. Let's go. Well, listen, Buster, you better start to move your feet to the rockin'est beat of madness. Kicking us off today, Mikey in Christchurch. G'day, Mikey. G'day, Steffi. I'll stick to the uh, oval ball stuff. Certainly. I don't know much about the other stuff. <laughs> um, 
I um I kicked off. I watched all the Super Rugby games. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got uh, there's an incident in the first half of the Blues game which I'd like to request a task from you at the end of this conversation, <laughs> um, if you will. It's a question that I want you to ask somebody. But anywho, yeah, the Blues game good on them. Um, watched the I flipped over to watch the Warriors, which I think would have been with half an hour to go. Yeah, and I had to check the alcohol content of the drinks that I was drinking on my sofa because bloody hell just just the gates got released and try after try after try mm. Sean Johnson coming off the from a bloodied nose and normally would have probably sat that out but he's back on there scoring another try that was uh, that was awesome that was really really good stuff um, I didn't I haven't seen the highlights of the first half but I believe they put on a really good defensive effort um, Watched the Chiefs-Reds game, which I thought was a fantastic game. Mm. And if you're a Chiefs supporter, there's no way you can't tell me there was a bit of squeaky bum moments in that game. <laughs> <laughs> there definitely were. There definitely were. And, I, and I, think, I think the most interesting thing was that I thought the Reds kicking game, in fact, most of the Aussie teams, actually, but the Reds in particular and, and probably the Brumbies, their kicking game seems a little bit superior than ours in terms of field positioning. And... I think the Brums are really going to closely look at that game um, for this week- weekend's semi-final clash. Um, I think there is a way to beat the Chiefs, definitely. Mm. Uh, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, kicking, um, I'm, I'm with you. New Zealand teams just seem to just kick. We'll, we'll just kick. And quite often the defender doesn't even have to move his feet one centimetre, just kick it straight to them. Whereas I feel like the Australians have different types of kick, have banana kicks, have um, backspinning kicks, and it generally lands on the grass. But Matt, was it the Chiefs game or the Blues game? One of them had 92 kicks in general play, which is friggin' unreal. When I saw James McConey tweeted, actually, 92 kicks, and I said, the ball's in play for 21 minutes. So you do the mess. That's, a, that's about five kicks a minute. That's unbelievable. <laughs> Yeah, and I think the Reds got an excellent fifty twenty two as well. Yeah, some good field. Which I, I, someone explained to me why people don't do that more often. Um, the two things I took out of the Crusaders game: one was um, Fijian supporters are the best supporters in Super Rugby yes. by a mile. Yes, um, you see they flew a, a, a plane load of supporters to the game from from Fiji. I loved that. You know that? Yeah, I love. I think there might have even been two. Wow. Oh, stunning. That's just awesome. Um, and can someone, the second thing, can someone please put the call out to Richie, Dan, Kieran Reid to start training? Because we're running out of players, man. We, we're everybody, I mean, we had 13 players at the end of that game. Yeah. Basically through injury. Yeah, the injuries um, of the Crusaders stocks this year have been incredible. What's even more incredible to me is these no-names that are being pulled in and fitting into the Crusader jigsaw. Yeah, yeah, that's that's. The, I think I think it's just the the yeah, it's just the, what they have have here. I guess I don't mm. know. Um, I, uh, the the Brumbies uh, Canes game was yeah, it was a bit of a thrill ride, and I don't think it was a try. And a lot of people probably say it was, but the one thing you can't doubt. I mean, I was almost in tears as well when Artie at the end when he's being interviewed. Oh, same. Man, he's so passionate about the game. Yeah. And he is he is an awesome human being. He really is, and and probably his last game for the Hurricanes. That's that's the sad thing, and I think that's what really really got to him. He wanted one more opportunity, but 
didn't get it, and, and they allowed some soft tries to the Hurricanes. The Brumbies got some soft tries. Um, they took some wrong options. I know all the focus is on that last try, but you know, I'd suggest Geordie Barrett could have passed to an unmarked Sullivan on his outside earlier than that. Um, they made a few poor decisions under pressure. Yeah. So to I have a request of you. So early, very early in the Blues half, Bowden Barrett did this numbskull kick and Ken I know you're hovering over your, your text machine furiously coming in but it's not just Bowden it seems to be every all back black do the same thing back sorry so Bowden kicks the ball from his own half up in the air just a, a know nothing kick Waratah's guy gets it scores a try mm. now this is obviously a taught thing it has to be because it happens so often and I was wondering that if you ever have the opportunity to interview a, a super rugby coach or even an all-blacks coach, uh, particularly in, with defensive or attacking, whatever, can you ask them why? Because when you did the interview with the guy who did rest and recreation, that was an excellent interview, mm. and it gave an insight to why they do that. Now, there's obviously a reason why these players are doing it. Me as a, a, someone watching it, and I know a lot of other people just think it's just pointless kicking, but there must be a reason for it. Mm. And if you could ask that question, I would greatly appreciate it. I will do that. I remember last week, Leon McDonald said there was too much aimless kicking from us, and we'll address that this week. It didn't look to me like they had. So, but no, I'll save that question up. Good man, Mikey. Thank you. Thank Cheers, you. buddy. Cheers, Let's go to the north, Michael from Turkaka. G'day, Michael. Hey, Steffi, how are you? Very well. So if you rank it in order of... Uh, Top to bottom for the weekend, Warriors smashed it out of the park with that performance. Unbelievable. Um, I think the next um, best game was probably the Blues, the way they dismantled the, the Waratahs. Um, I think the Chiefs were probably ultimately not lucky, but probably breathed a huge sigh of relief. Mm. Um, and the Crusaders did what they did. If you look at the Super 12 um, uh semi-finals this weekend on the form of last weekend, it will be the Blues beating the Crusaders because it'll be the last man standing I suspect and I reckon the Brumbies might give the Chiefs um, a really, really, really big fright on the way that the Chiefs played on um, their game on, on Friday, Saturday night like that, they, they, they were lucky to beat the Reds I reckon thing about the Brumbies for me is they've got a great front office, they're very innovative and they can change game plans depending on opposition, I think as well as any team, as well as any team. Yep. I think New Zealand teams stick to their knitting a little bit and it's it's usually good enough. I think the Brumbies, um, the Chiefs will scout them but they'll bring a different game. That's what I think is going to happen. Put it this way, if the Brumbies won it, I wouldn't call it the upset of the century. Does that make sense? Yep, yep. But um, going back to the Warriors, um, I'm just about a converted fan, eh? Like, that, that was just grit, determination. Um, I, I'd struggle to find a rugby team that would defend with that um, amount of possession the opposition had um, for that long and only concede six points. And at the end of the day, the six points was a bounce of the ball. But you can just see by the look on those guys' faces, they're just... That they're actually enjoying going to work, do you know what I mean? And that's that is the whole difference. And um, I'm surprised that Sammy's at work today because he's probably still out partying, mm. but he is at work because I've spoken to him. But yeah, awesome. Just like that, that I don't write them off for winning this thing, eh? Who's that? 
the Warriors. To win the whole thing? I tell you what, they've, yep. they've got the tick. I watched that first half, and for 20 minutes, I was thinking, oh, try's inevitable, and a try's inevitable. Uh, repeat, set, yep. repeat, set, repeat. And they just, it was Fort Knox. And I felt like we were leading at half time after that performance. I mean, the, um, the Raiders in Canberra on the occasion of three, oh, in Canberra on a good day, no, one, no team likes going to Canberra League or Union, right? Yeah. Um, on the occasion that they're, they're, they're right at the top end of the scale of teams, like, um, that was a huge, that was a big mountain, especially by the, the volume of points, eh? Um, that somehow um, they've just got, it's all coming together for them, so good on them. Yeah, I'm with you. Good man. Good chatting, Michael. Take care. See Cheers, ya. boy. See ya. We'll go to Scott in Wellington. G'day, Scott. Yes, how are you going? V- very well. I've got to say, as I said to you on Friday, I'm, I'm glad I left my pick in the sweet state till tonight's game because uh, they were all pretty high scoring over the weekend, um, which which made a really good weekend of NRL, uh, to be honest, and, and obviously topped with the Warriors game. Um, I mean, as, as the other callers have said, the defence in the first half was was incredible. I think even I think over halfway through the first half, the position wise was 65. Uh, 5% uh, uh, Canberra at that stage and mm. to just continue to keep holding them out like like they did and, and to be honest, I mean, Whiten got very lucky with the bounce of the ball for that try, um, you know so if you, if you take that out of it which I know you can't, you know you can't actually take it out but I mean to only concede one try where they breached the line like that is, is pretty impressive and to Canberra and put 30 odd points on Canberra and not many teams go and do that over there and especially in, in Croker's 300th game, and, and that, there would have been a lot of emotion there, but um, you, you could just see the tide turning uh, when it started to turn as well. And, um, you know, it's just if you win the defence, you, you win the game, and, and that's what we're doing at the moment. It's that ability that uh, Webster's brought over from Penrith, and um, you, you can see that a lot of the time there as well. And uh, how good to see Johnson at the end there getting that try and the yeah. big smile and shock on his face. But he, <laughs> it just came out of nowhere. Yeah, it was absolutely brilliant. And the, it was like the blueprint, wasn't it? We demoralised them with our defence, not our attack. And it should have been us that ran out of petrol at the end of the game, but it was them. We'd done all the work in defence. It's just like... The badges of courage that those Warriors deserve to wear now um, was just personified in that. And I just kept sitting there going, attack wins games, defence wins championships. And they've got the balance right. I'm not prepared to say they'll win the championship, but they'll give it a red-hot go. I think they will. I Mm. think they will. And I mean, the goal this year, the first thing would have been the top eight. So that's got to be the focus. I mean, anything above that, you know, if, if we can get into the top four, that's... That's going to be incredible, and and obviously you know we've we've got to beat the likes of Penrith um, to do it. Um, but I mean, if, if we play like we have played, um, there's no reason why we can't at the end of the day. And um, I, I just want to say quickly as well, um, I, I mean, NRL having Andrew Abdo blow the horn at the start of the game. I mean, you know that that's got to be a bit of a, bit of a conflict of interest that the, the you know the man in charge of the whole thing's doing that. Yeah, I, I I think it was going to be Abdo, but it ended up being Croker's father. That uh, oh, Jason Croker, sorry, Jason Croker blew it. Yeah, but Abdo uh, okay, was yeah, going yeah. to. Because I, yeah, I knew there was talk on that, and I sort of just got into it just as the game started, so I didn't get to see that. But so, um, yeah, and just say as well, uh, the Snarks yesterday as well. One of the worst, one of the worst performances I've ever seen a team play. The Snarks yesterday. I mean, Melbourne were good. Snarks were just. 
beyond horrible, to be honest. And, and Hines just had a shocker of a game. I wonder if the pressure of origin selection uh, might have got to him thinking, I've got to play good, I've got to play good, and he was awful. In fact, the whole Sharks team were bloody awful, which is great for us, which is great for the Warriors, because they're now just, I think they're only two points ahead of us. And it, and it would have taken a good hit on their uh, points differential as well, which was even better. Massively, yeah, massively. Good stuff, buddy. Good chatting. Steph, have a good afternoon. See you, mate. You too. Um, you hold on there, Brett and Joey. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back with you too. And anyone else that wants to call about stuff that went on in the weekend, 0800 Getting you through the day like a hot cuppa after lunch. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. You are always welcome to text us on double eight double three. That is the Tampa Bear Post text machine. I will get to those, but particularly this first hour, I'd love to hear your calls. 0800 We talked to Brett in Huntley, the president of the Grubs. And the Queensland were immense Grubs, man. They, they brought the A game and they had a plan to not let us play and um, brought, a, brought a better kicking plan than us. That's for sure. Physical, and then a couple of boys decided um, amongst themselves that they'd just have a couple of games that run it straight, and <laughs> you know, she was good times. It was, um, was a lot better, a lot closer game than I think everyone was expecting, and the Reds really fronted with basically a bunch of no-names. Yeah, they just, they just pinned us, staff, and we couldn't play. Um, we couldn't play our game, what we've been playing all year, and yeah, they just stuck at it. Like, bloody mongrel dogs, good on them. <laughs> How was the atmosphere? I know you were there. <laughs> Quiet at times. <laughs> <laughs> Quiet at times, I was. I was quiet at times. But um, just because you perform well in quarterfinals doesn't mean you're going to perform well the next week. And I'm sure a lot of us All Black fans should know that. Yeah. Yeah, it was. So, um, there'll be no stone left unturned. It's like going into that a game where you, you know everyone thinks we sh- we should have belted them. I thought we should have belted them, and you don't. Um, there will be a lot of searching going on for for that team um, coming up to the Brumbies. You worried about the Brumbies? Oh, I would have been worried if we had kicked the Reds ass, Steph. Yeah, you think <laughs> I be a... every team that we we yeah. come up against. You think you were in better shape against the Brumbies because of how close it was in the quarter? Uh, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And um, uh, for, for the Wellington fans out there, did he did Artie get the ball down? Probably, but you've got to you've got to give evidence to give tries. Yeah, and we we gone over we went over the line against the Reds when we lost to them after the whistle and we did get it down. I was like, uh, yeah, Artie probably did get it down, but. Evidence yeah, I'll, I'd rather be playing the Brumbies than, than the Canes this week. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Also, I'm looking forward to that match a lot. A lot. Are you going to that one as well? Of course you are. Of course you are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Does a bear, you know what? In the woods. <laughs> yeah. Saturday, 7 o'clock, which means you'll get to the Huntley KFC about court to 10. <laughs> <laughs> may do. May do, Steph. Good man, Brett. But, uh, congratulations to. Um, uh, young Rabs, young Louis Herman, what uh, young Sammy there, watermelon sugar high, you rap bag. 
<laughs> he got another one. He thinks he knows what he's doing, Steph. I know. He doesn't. He doesn't. But <laughs> but he'll claim it. I'll let him claim it. Good on you, Brett. Thanks, buddy. Good on him. Okay, Cheers, mate. Um, now we zip back up to Auckland and we talk to Joey. G'day, Joey. Yeah, g'day, Steph. Just on the, um, the rugby festival. I think it's, it's probably a good thing that um, uh, the Chiefs have, have had a loss because you know, they know know what it's like to lose the season, you know, when they, they got beaten by the Reds. Um, it was a tough game, they got over the line, but the grunt and determination to get them over the line on Saturday was was a, was a good thing, you know, and sometimes a loss further down the track beforehand, you know, it's hard to go through a whole season winning every game, because it's 15 on 15, and, and that's what it is when it comes to quarterfinals and semifinals. And, um, and they grounded out, and I thought um, Retellick was outstanding. Um, fantastic, you know, and, and, and they got the win, and I think they'll beat um, uh, the Brumbies uh, this weekend. I think the Brumbies just left too many points. And just on the um, uh, staff on the um, Warriors, defence wins premierships. And um, these guys, um, I said to your um, producer, fitness, 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 and I know I go on about it, but they are, I think they're one of, the, if not the, the fittest side in the competition, and they're coming over sides when it, when the second half, when they still have that fitness, keeps going. Mm. And this is what they did to camp. They hung on, hung on. They put the, the Sean Johnson drop kick from the goal line. And they know now, which they didn't know last year, which they couldn't do, they know now if, if they don't get the ball from a, from a drop kick on the goal line, they know they can defend and hold out for another six and do it all again. Yeah. And, that's, and that's confidence in, in all the players you've got around you going... We're going to work for staff. We're going to work for Joey. We're going to work for Sean Johnson. We're going to work for whoever, you know. And I know Sean Johnson's playing great football, you know. And, and I happened to um, do a job for him. I was talking to him before the season started. And he said it was so hard living in Australia away from his family. And maybe it was hard for all those guys. It must have been. You know, even though we're, we're, we're good mates with the Aussies and that. And, and you know, Aussies just over the, 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 the um, you know, the close, one of the closest countries to us. Um, it must have been bloody hard for them to do that. And now you've seen them come back to New Zealand um, and they've got that spouse, that, that, that confidence in each other, you know, which is, I think is fantastic. Um, and just on one more thing, Steph, before I go, um, I believe you'll have to um, make a phone call and, and congratulate uh, one of your family about Men's City. Yes, he sent me a video I, of full time and it is... <laughs> it's unreal. The pub in Tenerife, going nuts, chanting, singing, hugging, kissing. It was, it was quite incredible. I don't think I trust them quite yet to get them back on the show. <laughs> Look, Steph, I know, I know, I'm a Man United man. Um, all I can say is we did it first. But congratulations to uh, City because it's so hard to do, mm. and um, and they deserve it. Even though they, they didn't play that well in that in that final of um, against AC Milan, but. They won it, and that's all you got to do, and um, and good on. Them. Yeah, I was worried. Um, I was worried. I was worried at halftime, nil all. I was worried because then you get fifteen minutes at halftime to sit down thinking it could have gone one or two ways. And and you're right. I watched. I didn't watch the first half. I got up and watched the second half. And yeah, you're right. They didn't play great, but but they won. And um, I'm really stoked for my brother-in-law and his dad. Eh? I, I I I really am. Yeah, well, it, it, it is fantastic, you know. I mean, and for, for anyone to, to do that, you know. But um, and like I always say, Steph, go the mighty. 
Get up. Let's go. Let's go. Cheers, buddy. See you, boy. Uh, And Braden Yossi, he's re-signed for the Turbos this year. Hope Brett Cameron has as well. Cause some upsets. Give us a yell. 0800 150 811. What did you make of the weekend? The rugby, the Warriors, anything else? Capture your imagination. There was UFC. Amanda Nunes uh, put her two belts and her gloves in the middle of the ring and bid farewell to the sport. And people are saying the greatest of all time. Um, her record is absolutely unbelievably good. Very, very good. Anyway, give us a yell. We'll take the news and we'll come back with you. Well, listen, Buster, you better start to move your feet to the rockin'est beat of madness. Oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven midday madness goes all the way through to one. I'm just trying to remember the name of the person that always rings at about two minutes to one, Sam. I'm just going to ask them to hurry up and ring. Oh, Scott from Taranaki always rings late. Come on, Scott, ring us now. Uh, we go to Zaid, uh, the life member Zaid. I said UFC, and I thought, I wonder if Zaid will ring. Here he is. <laughs> Good afternoon, uh, Staffy. Blues off to the semi final. Uh, got the big clash on Friday night. But he does it again. Mark Talia uh, equaling Joe Rocafoco's record for most tries in a season at Eden Park, equaling Doug Howlett's record most tries in a season for a blue. He, he, he's just a beast, old Talia. Um, but yeah, and um, Nepo Lalala, how good was he out there on Friday night for the Blues? Um, but I know the Waratahs weren't really a tough, tough test. They're not going to be the same as nowhere near the Crusaders. And I'm sorry, but I, I think I said it the other day, the Brumbies were just too strong for the Canes. And that rolling mall, they used it to what they've been doing all year. And I think the Chiefs need to watch out. If they if they, if they play how they played against the Canes, the Chiefs need to watch out. Because they only just got past the Reds on um, Saturday night. They were Saturday afternoon. They were pretty scratchy, weren't they? They were. Um, yeah, they really were. They're going to have to pull their sock. But the Chiefs can. Um, they can they've got yeah, the ability yeah. to bounce back. But... Um, I was going to say which which game I'm looking forward to. I do like New Zealand Australia clashes, so I will I'll definitely watch both games. And um, you're right, the Crusaders, Blues Crusaders, with a lot of injury problems, and the Blues. Yeah, well, hopefully it's a blue, hopefully it's a Blues Chiefs final in Waikato, and I'll be going to that. Hopefully, <laughs> but we're going to wait and see. Um, you know, I'm being a bit, of, I'm being, I'm being a bit optimistic. You know what the Blues and Chief Crusaders are like. We struggle to beat them, so. We've got to bring our A game. I know they've got a few injuries, which is to our advantage. But we've got to use it, and Barrett just can't kick the ball away. We've got to keep the ball in hand and run. That's that's our game plan. You know, we've we've been. That's what we if we want to win and be in the final. We've got to do that. Um, yeah. What about the Warriors? I did not see that result coming. I was at the Blues, obviously on Friday night, and I, you know, was, we were walking back to the car, and I, we saw one of the bars, and it was what eighteen eight. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then got back in the car and chucked Sammy on. They scored a few more tries. Yeah. <laughs> was... I was like, what's happening here? And then I, I even missed the Johnson try because I turned it off and I thought, oh, okay, this is, they're not going to score any more points. And then because um, Johnson went off with that with a bit of a sore nose and I thought he was concussed, but then came back on and got an, got an intercept. So um... I don't know what, he was, what the Warriors were up to on Friday night, but they're just soaring and they're, they're going to get another one, aren't they, after the bye? They've got the Dragons. So I think that's another two points. They're getting a, a free two points this weekend. So who knows how high they are going to be after the bye. But um, 
it's just a great season. And yeah, uh, you see the UFC, Amanda Nunes, she goes out as probably the best ever woman's UFC fighter. Um, I think it was about time for her to retire. There's no really opponent to left. Left for, you know, two belts, bantamweight and featherweight. And um, the fight yesterday was pretty boring. She didn't, the, her opponent didn't do much. Couldn't, 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 couldn't hardly land anything. Uh, but the result that surprised me was Charles Oliveira. Um, Benil Dariush was on an eight-fight win streak, but Oliveira, he's more of a grappler than a striker, but he just sat him down. Mm, he did. He did just, it was... But it, it wasn't the best pay-per-view card. It was, it, was, it was average, but, you know, it was okay. The next one's going to be great, though. Um, Alexandra Volkanovsky, UFC 290 versus Rodriguez. You've got Rob Whitaker there. You've got Dan Hooker there. That's going to be an absolute bonkers of a card, that one. Yeah, it's going to be a beaut. Absolute beaut. Zade, please enjoy your weekend, mate. Thank you, but go the Blues. Up the Blues. Up, Mark Talia. <sighs> Gary in Upper Hutt. G'day, Gary. G'day, Steph. Hey, um, just got a quick question for you. I don't know if anybody's actually asked this regarding that Artie Sovier try, which personally I think he actually got down. But those, um, like the buffhead bloody commentators in Australia all going on about... There's a hand under it. There's a hand under it. It's like, well, there can still be a hand under the ball, and the ball can still be touched in the grass, yeah? Yes. And all the ball has to do is touch a blade of grass, and it's still a try, isn't it? Is, is that actually the case, or is yeah. it the case that if someone has a hand under it, it's no try regardless? No, if some of the ball touches the ground, um, even if the – so, like – Half the ball touches the ground and the other half of the ball's got opposition hand under it. That is still a try. And what Artie said after the game, said, I grounded it and then he got his hand under it. And I don't think we saw that first bit that he was talking about. Um, and Artie's honest as the day is long. He wouldn't, he, you know, he wouldn't have said that. Um, and it was just, there was no angle. There was no conclusive angle. And the unfortunate thing, and Jason Holland's come out and had a, decent old swish at the TMO saying this if the referee had said I'm awarding try um, give me yep. a reason to not award it he'd come back I can't give you a reason but he gave him I can't give you a reason to award it so yeah it, and that, that's the problem though straight away by I'm saying no try it, yeah it makes it so hard to make it a try even though I'm, I'm convinced that ball touched the ground it had to have mm. um, but like you say, because he called it no tries, no, well, that's the way it goes. But, yeah, it's just the way that those commentators are going on just because he had his hand under it, therefore it can't be a try. So it's like, I didn't think that was the case. Surely, if, you know, all it has to do is touch a blade of grass. Yeah, and the ball was long yeah. ways. You compare it last week in an NRL game, a player had his whole hand, I think it was Wendell Saylor's son, had his whole hand under the tip of the ball. So the tip of it. Yeah. yeah, so none of the ball could actually hit the grass, so that, but they had a really good camera angle of that. And uh, that, therefore, is held up. It doesn't touch yes. the ground. But like you say, it was long ways. And, uh, yeah, it, for me, it touched the ground, but so be it. That's gone. And, yeah. hey, just quickly on those Warriors, they were impressive, weren't they? But um, all you Warriors fans, they're all getting all getting excited. But did they watch that Penrith game as well? Because I tell you what, boy, they're going to be hard to beat. Oh, they're going to be hard to beat for anyone. They they are the leaders. I think they're them and yep. probably Brisbane um, are the two that sort of stand out. But, geez, you know, that's a fantastic win in Canberra. We get two points for the bye. We've improved our for and against as well. Um, so, you know, one step at a time. But it's just such yep. good entertainment at the moment. Yeah, they, they really are. They're, they are exciting to watch. I mean, they're my sort of second team there. I must prefer Penrith. 
But um, yeah, oh, and on that one as well, if Wairoa Hargraves doesn't get stood down for at least a match, there's something wrong. He is just a th- he was just looking to incite violence. That guy. Yeah. Yeah, he was uh, he was on a mission just to a get thug. him. Yeah, just a yeah. fuck. Yeah, he is. He is. But I still quite enjoyed it. As yeah. weird as that sounds. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. See, I didn't because yeah, once again, on and uh, Spencer, um, Spencer Liu. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. He he was just as stupid though as well. He just sort of once the initial it had died down, all he had to do was turn around and walk away. Yeah. And it never would have gone on, you know. But um, he, he just couldn't help himself. <laughs> Meet me stupid. in the car park. Yeah. Meet me in the car park. Yeah. I mean, come <laughs> on, man. You're a professional. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I I don't like it. I do understand where it's like, oh, that's exciting. But these are big, strong guys in a really physical game. And it only takes one little thing for it to turn nasty, you know, and you've, I think you've really got to stamp down on it myself. Mm, yep, me too. Good man. Good to hear from you, Gary. All right. Yep, have a good night. Cheers, buddy. You too. Um, message from Ken Staffy, the Blues, by far the best side in the quarters. They're peaking at the right time. It's coming home, Zade, where it belongs. Blues, Brumbies, final, Eden Park, and even the Dragons had a great win. Damn good weekend of footy. Cheers from Ken. Blues by far the best side in the quarters. No trophies in the quarters. But you're still alive, Ken. You're in the top four. Uh, give us a yell. 0800 150 We'll have a break. I'd love to chat to you after that. Helping you tune out your annoying workmate. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Welcome back in Afternoons with Steffi here till 3 o'clock. Oh, here's a man I haven't heard from from a wee while, David in Blackpool. G'day, David. G'day, Steffi. How are you? Oh, brilliant. Good to hear from you. Yeah, no, it's been a, been a while. Um, I I wanted to thank you so much for the um, interview you had with, um, was it Mr B, the Tenery? Yep, yep. President of the Man City Fan Club. That was him. Yeah, that was him. Yeah. I brought back so many memories for me. I mean, I've had my 70th birthday, but I was lucky enough to, um, I was based in London for seven years working out of uh, Aberdeen on the oil rigs. And and going to a football um, game, just how manic and rabid that the English football fan is at the game, Mm. just incredible. Incredible, eh? We, we, I don't think Kiwis can understand it. We, we don't get close to it. I went to a Fulham West Ham game, and oh, like yeah. you could cut it with a knife. And I've been to hundreds of rugby games, and I never experienced anything by. I think they were sort of two thirds of the way down the table, both teams, and it was just incredible. Yeah, yeah. I lived in North London, not far from um, Highbury, so the oh. local was Arsenal, but. Um, and also, in that time, um, my month off of the rigs coincided with um, Graham Murray's tour when Andy Hayden got um, pushed out of the line. <laughs> <laughs> Horribly pushed. <laughs> Brian yeah, McKitney yeah. stepped up. Yes, yes, yes. And broke, broke the Welsh fan. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, good. But no, thank you very much. You, uh, I, I've almost um, enticed to get my television back. I haven't had it for about three years, but um, 
I'm missing a bit of sport, I think. You are, mate. You definitely are. If I get Mr. B on one more time, you probably he'll probably convince you to get a TV. <laughs> yes. Hey, thanks very much, Mark. Cheers, David. Good to hear from you. David, from one of the nice parts of the world down there in Blackball. Uh, Terry said, Ken, a, bit, a little bit early on the... Blues have had the easiest run of the entire competition and will get done by 30 points this week. Love from Terry. <laughs> uh, Staffy, oh, I've read that one. That was the first one from Kent. Staff, some good games of footy over the weekend. Hard luck to the Canes. I thought they played pretty well. We're unlucky at the end with that call. I just can't help thinking that there are too many Aussie teams in the comp. It was interesting to hear Leicester say that he wanted to move to France uh, to play against some of the best players week in, week out. If you're in at an elite level, All Black does playing against... If you're in at an elite level, playing against some of the Aussies that no one's really heard of, is that going to get you up in the morning? I think the NZRU backed the wrong horse. The sooner we leave Australia, the better. They are so difficult to do business with anyway. I just don't see the point of them having five teams. Yes. Um, let's go back to the phones. We can squeeze this in. John from Christchurch. G'day, John. G'day, Steph. How are you, mate? Good, buddy. How's it going? Hey, listen, just quickly, mate. Just, I'll just quickly say first, uh, the Warriors, outstanding. Um, great to watch. And uh, the rugby's all good, mate. But the reason for my call, if, if you're talking to Paulie Mawadi later on, mate, I'm sure on Friday he said that... Uh, a couple of people put some quite big um, bets on the boosted odds of Sean Johnson scoring a try. Ah. And I'm one of them was a 1000 bucks or something like that, and I'd love to know or hear from one of those people that uh, put a 1000 bucks on him and he went off with 15 minutes to go with a concussion <laughs> test, then comes back on first touch, scores a bloody try. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine the emotion of those two? Oh, because when he went off, you thought he ain't coming back. I didn't think he'd be no, coming he ain't back. coming back. No, the first thing I thought of was those people who put those big boosted bets on and thought they would be going berserk. Yes. <laughs> I'm just going to check no, if we've... Oh, it was, it, was, it was outstanding. Yes, we have got Paul Mawadi just after 1.30, so I will put that to him. So you stay listening. Yeah, but uh, the Warriors just outstanding. It's just good sport going on at the moment. It's, it's good to be alive watching it, isn't it? I'm with you, mate. I am with you. So much, so much on at the moment. So good. Anyway, mate, enjoy the rest of your day, pal. We'll talk again. Cheers, buddy. Thanks, John. Last break. We'll come back after this break. Getting you through the day like a hot cuppa after lunch. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Uh, some text messages before we get to the news. Stevie, I listened to the cricket over the weekend. A big thanks to SENZ. I was disappointed to hear that England will play no test cricket in August this year. Um, only white ball cricket. Height of summer and no tests. Another death knell for the highest form of the game. David from Wellington. I did read that Pat Cummins said <clears throat> it's the favourite form of cricket that the Australians enjoy playing, which is interesting. Um, I was very impressed of this at the storage capacity of that man's nasal passage. Was I the only person eating when Sky accidentally captured that Mr. Snuffleupagus moment? I, <laughs> I know what you mean, but I didn't see it. Yuck. 
Uh, staff, the Warriors' back three do most of the work from their own 22. This allows forwards to have gas in the offensive inside other teams' red zone. Look, they really do. Montoya, Nicol Klustar, uh, Watini Zalesniak, they do a lot of, like, quite often they'll, they'll do three of the first four hit-ups um, coming out of their own red zone, and they continually do it, and they take it up hard, like all three of those guys. They're not Nancy fullbacks and wings. Yeah, really good point, Tim, from Auckland. Uh, seems to be in both codes. They're always looking for every reason not to award tries. I'm with that. Staff, New Zealand rugby should bring in a two-kick rule. If the Crusaders kick in general play and the opponent kicks it back, then the Crusaders must run it back and vice versa. Warwick! Insightful! Intelligent! I like that. Uh, highlight of the weekend was the Broncos Knights for me, but more so Reese Walsh against um, Ponga. How good that was. I'd say, did Ponga win that one on points? I loved it when he stepped Reese Walsh. I don't know why. I loved it. Caelan Ponga, when he's on fire, deceptively quick too. Right, we're coming up to the one o'clock news after that. We're going to talk to Dan Talentai. He's the NRL senior editor. Um, he was joining us after Johnny Max News. Getting you through your workday one hour at a time. This is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. going to talk some NRL now and um, this man's pen is the voice of the written word of rugby league. It is Dan Talentire. Uh Six again, Dan. Uh, welcome back in. Thank you very much for having me. That's a very kind intro. <laughs> so many things to get through and I've just actually just this minute read that some judiciary reports are out. It's all high shots and shoulder charges, crusher tackles, hip drops, is it because the players aren't learning or is it because um, you can't get away with as much as you used to? Oh, I think it's probably a little harsh to say the players aren't learning. I think there's been, yeah, obviously I think the hip drop's been a big talk of things this year. There's been a lot of players charged with hip drop tackles. The NRL's been quite vocal in what is and isn't a hip drop tackle and I think a lot of it is coming down to um, players not quite making the right decision in moments, um, finding themselves in an awkward position in tackles and I think we're, you know, I think a lot of these aren't certainly far from intentional. Christian Welsh was charged this morning with a tackle that'll see him likely ruled out for uh, at least one game with a guilty plea. So I think that someone like Christian is not going out there to make a bad tackle. I think it's a, it's an accident that's happening in these moments. And unfortunately, there's, yeah, you kind of can't get away with these things these days. And, and players' safety is ultimately paramount in, in everything. Quite a few teams and players I want to talk to you about. We'll have to start with the good news over this side. Um, New Zealand fans, sports fans, are just so cock-a-hoop about how the Warriors are going about their business. That first-half defensive effort must have even made Australians, like your good self, Dan, uh, sit up and take notice of that. Yeah, I've got a very soft spot for Andrew Webster. We spoke about this uh, last year when he was appointed, and I said he would be great. Look, he's uh, done fantastic things in that team, I think. 
what's been most important in the Warriors is the belief that's in that side at the moment. There's a, a real confidence and resilience that regardless of whether they're playing their best footy or not, that they can hang in a game, that they can defend, like you said. And ultimately, then, when they do get down the other end, they've got some class in attack uh, to be able to produce the goods. I think we all are amazed at just how good Sean Johnson is playing. Uh, there's obviously an offer on the table for him next year to stay at the Warriors, uh, which at this rate, you'd be very surprised if he didn't. Someone like Chance Nickel Cookstar is, is being really, really great in what he's added to that side. Uh, and then you add in some of the other players, Alan Wapeni Zalesniak obviously had an incredible finish. That try in the corner was just brilliant, uh, even with a man in the bin. So, look, a, a terrific performance from the Warriors, particularly given all the emotion that they were going up against in Jared Croker's 300 down there in Canberra. That That is one of the more impressive uh, victories we've seen from a Warriors side in Australia, I would say, in the last few years. We've had a few messages through. Actually, one of the latest ones was, uh, and they pointed out, and you watch as much rugby league as anyone, about uh, the back three doing a lot of the grunt work, getting us out of our own red zone on those on those early sets. And when you look at Montoya, um, Dallin Wateni, Zalesniak, and Chance Nicolucci, is there a back three more determined getting out of their own red zone than the Warriors? Oh, it's probably, yeah, they're certainly up there. Certainly up there. I think you look at Penrith's back three, they've they been fairly tough to beat. Someone like Brian Toto, Sunia Taruva and Dylan Edwards are usually over 200 metres every week. They're probably the first three that come to mind. But certainly it's been an impressive back three for the Warriors and, and probably really reminded of the days when they had Roger and uh, Ken Mamalo and David Fusatua coming out of the mm. back. I think there was certainly that was what started off those sets really well. And, and I think we're seeing that out of the back three of the Warriors at the moment. And what that's doing is it's really allowing for changes in the team to feel less disruptive. I think it's, it's gone under the radar just how many changes there have been at the Warriors team this year. They've had a lot of centres be injured. They've had a lot of change in the back row. Someone like Mitch Barnett's missed a lot of footy. Uh, and so I think what that could have done is really disrupt the team. But instead, because they've had that consistency from the back three and being able to bring the ball forward, uh, you know, tackle one, tackle two, every single set, it's really allowing them to have a platform and those changes to be less felt um, and it's a real testament to the way in which they've gone about their team this year. And, and I think you can't give enough credit to Andrew Webster and his staff for what they've been able to do in this team you know, within the first 12 months of being there. Before we leave the Warriors, it, it's very easy to uh, sing their praises and laud their performances. Where's their weaknesses? Where, where do the Warriors have to step up a little bit more in your view? Yeah, I think there's a there's a real reliance on Sean Johnson's kicking game, which is a good thing. I think that's a good thing that there's a lot of reliance on his kicking game to get them out of trouble. I think at times there's a little bit that that becomes a little bit too telegraphed. So I think it's really important that Luke Metcalf continues to evolve and improve his confidence on the footy. Um, and I think similarly to probably what you touched on a couple of minutes ago was there is a there is, the reality is they are inviting a lot of attacking pressure on their line. Uh, showing resilience is great. Probably not putting yourself in the position to show resilience in the yeah. first place would be better. So I think being able to really control the game a little bit more would be helpful. I think you you look at a team like Penrith, and we'll get on to them in a minute, I'm sure, the way in which they, they essentially camped in the Roosters' end all game and put pressure on the Roosters that way, I think that's a real shift that the Warriors can do. We, we know this team can score points. They've got a number of attacking players. Um, I think being able to really control the game a little bit more rather than playing on the back foot and reacting to teams' mistakes, uh, I think is the next step for this team. And, and that's the real next evolution they've got to go from being a, 
a top eight side to being a top four team and ultimately a premiership contender. But having said all that, you can't really knock what they're doing at the moment. They've got the second best defensive record in the competition behind Penrith. uh, And the signs of what this team is starting to put together is really quite impressive. Um, you mentioned the Panthers. No surprise that they their performances just continues to be great, even without Nathan Cleary. But the Roosters scoring six points, they just look like a really good team on paper that have, I'm not going to say no idea, but incredibly low on confidence. Yeah, I think the low on confidence is a really good point. I, I just It just looks clunky. Mm. Something just does not look right there. I think they've tried to shift Joey Manu into the halves to spark some attack and, and, and the first two games in which he played 5-8 they obviously beat the Dragons on Anzac Day and then I think they followed that up with a, a win over the Warriors in New Zealand and, and there was enough there to suggest that maybe Manu and Kiri was the hardest combination moving forward but it really has gone uh, backwards since then uh, I think Joe Manu's not getting involved in his creativity enough, we obviously saw him at the World Cup, uh, just how good he can be at fullback so he can play well in that roaming role in the middle of the field but it's just not quite clicking for them at the moment. Look, it's it's undoubtedly a talented team, and they do have a lot of good players on the sideline. Obviously, no Sam, uh, no Sam Walker, uh, no Brandon Smith, no Victor Radley, uh, even Joseph Suwali. He was out on the weekend. That's no excuse, though, for the talent that is on the field. Uh, I think it was really interesting to hear Trent Robinson post-game just talk about how much it's on him to find a solution to what's going on at the moment. To me, that suggests that there's likely going to be a bit of a change in that side in terms of where players are, are running out. I think there's it's probably an understanding that it hasn't quite worked, the changes that's been made. And so I think, uh, obviously, Sam Walker's out injured at the moment, but when he is available for selection, I think um, we're probably going to expect to see him back in the team. And it'll be really interesting to see the Roosters, what changes they do make, because you're right, this is a very talented team that should be producing better than what they are at the moment. Um, the NRL weekend week out sort of advertises itself as anyone can beat anyone and no better example of the bottom of the table dragons uh, beating the Rabbitohs who a lot of people say are top two, top four. Um, what's that the biggest news for? Potentially the dragon, we've got an avid Dragons fan listener here, Ken. He was absolutely frothing that win against the Rabbitohs. Uh, what's the biggest story? The Dragons win or the Rabbitohs losing that? Oh, I think probably the Dragons win. I think probably the the one thing, if I can uh, maybe block Ken's ears for this, there's a, probably a little asterisk on the Rabbitohs when you take into consideration there was no Latrell Mitchell, no Cody Walker, uh, no Cameron Murray. That's a fair three to have out of a team, particularly given the way the Rabbitohs spine uh, functions and their importance to the team. Having said that, you can't take anything away from the Dragons. They were fully in control of that game. Uh, obviously, it got a little bit hairy late on with three tries in three minutes for the Rabbitohs, but Certainly a really good performance from the Dragons and probably one that we've seen glimpses of, if not uh, a full kind of follow-through of that. You know, this team, when they click, can produce some really good wins. They've obviously beaten the Roosters and probably should have beaten them again on Anzac Day. They've obviously beaten the Rabbitohs now. I think there's some, there are some good signs there and there's some really good players when you look at that team on paper. It hasn't quite clicked as some of the young players come in and out of games, but I think when players like Jaden Sullivan and Tyrell Sloan are on, they are as talented and as capable as any team in the competition, some of those young players, what they can produce. So, look, I think some really good signs for the Dragons. I've been really impressed by what Ryan Carr has done as an interim coach. I know there's a lot of talk around who their next full-time coach will be, and then um, there's obviously been Jason Riles is in discussions, and now people like Shane Flanagan or Ben Hornby are all being talked about. 
So I think there's some really interesting next steps for the Dragons. And a, a key point for me will be how they integrate Ryan Carr into that team moving forward. Uh, I don't think he'll be in consideration as a head coach, but he's certainly showing as an interim that he's been really good and really helpful in bringing that team together. And I think it'd be great to see him involved one way or another in that team moving forward. Uh, there was a massive spotlight on the, the Sharks game, pumped by the Melbourne Storm, and an even bigger spotlight on Nico Hines, uh, potentially playing for a spot in the New South Wales starting lineup. Uh, really disappointing for the Sharks. Yeah, really disappointing. I think you can take out potentially. He was playing for a spot in the starting lineup. There was no Nathan Cleary for the Blues, and I think it was quite clear that going into the weekend, it was a bit of a three horse race. Nico Hines, who was in the team for Game 1. Uh, Mitchell Moses, who's going to play later this afternoon against the Bulldogs, and Adam Reynolds, who uh, wasn't great at times for the Broncos, but had a really good second half and ultimately set up the match winner uh, for the Broncos. So I think, look, certainly Nico Hines is in contention, and I think there's no doubt that he still is in contention, but that was a really disappointing performance from the Sharks altogether, and ultimately Nico. I think he knows that he had a lot of errors that he wouldn't normally make. I think the Sharks tried to throw the ball around a little too much early on, uh, which you just can't do against teams like Melbourne, who will just punish you if you make errors. And I think once that got away from them, they were chasing points. And really, the Melbourne Storm aren't a team you want to be chasing points against because they were ruthless. I thought Cameron Munster, I thought Jerome Hughes was excellent. Uh, Nick Meaney's continues to go great at, at fullback. And yeah, look, a really disappointing performance from the Sharks. Uh, a real talking point for them is their performances against the top eight teams this year. They're again yet to beat a top eight side. Uh, there's certainly probably claims then of flat track bullies and things like that can come in. I think that's probably a little far, um, but it's really disappointing how the Sharks have been against the good teams this year, and that's the next step for them to ultimately be considered a, a premiership contender. If they can't compete against the teams like Melbourne and Penrith, then they're really not going to be in the mix for that, uh, even if they are in the top eight. Uh, talking to Dan Talentai from NRL.com. Uh, Dan, I didn't expect to be entertained as much as I was by the Broncos versus Knights uh, and in brackets, Reese Walsh versus Caelan Ponga. That fed me everything. Oh, wasn't it some matchup? And I know Caelan obviously called Billy Slater to rule himself out of game one and Reese Walsh was brilliant in his Maroons debut, but it's a fair uh, number two fullback when Caelan Ponga is not in the Queensland Maroons side. Him and Reese Walsh were just brilliant uh, on, on Saturday there. They were... Um, creative. They were. They came and looked fast. Reese Walsh is fast, but they just. They were by far and away just controlling and having their own little mini battle, yeah. even within the game. And geez, it was great to see. And for me, the thing that was ultimately great to see was the scenes post game. There was a, a wonderful laugh and a hug together at the end. You know, I think there's a lot of talk about those two players and what they'd have been in regards to competing for Origin jerseys. But it wouldn't have been too long ago that Reese Walsh was obviously looking to Kalen as the Narone's fullback when Reese was coming through the emerging squad and would have been looking to him in that. And so it was great to see that at the end of the whistle, there's a nice hug and a moment between the two, knowing that they'd played out part of a really great game. And like you said, it, it was a really enthralling contest. Um, I think the Knights have shown this year that they can hang in games and be quite resilient, similar in a way to the Warriors. Some of the, the performances of players like Jackson Hastings, they just refuse to go away and refuse to give in. Um, just not quite enough in there. Ultimately, the, the Broncos got the job done at home. Um, but, geez, it was a great performance and probably one that we didn't expect to be a great game on paper ultimately turned out to be just that way. Uh, the Dolphins. Um, a lot of people's second favourite side. 
depth is being tested now with injury, etc. Wayne Bennett saying he's not going to recruit, we've got to feed a team. Is, is the honeymoon over or is it just the first argument after the wedding? Oh, yeah, probably first argument after the wedding is probably a fair point to put it. Oh, I quite like that phrase. I might use that this week. Um, no, I, I think I think you're right. The, the, the depth of the Dolphins is certainly being tested. Um, and look, a performance like that, Wayne Bennett obviously won't have been happy. They really dropped their heads laid on, which is probably the first real time we've seen that from the Dolphins um, this year and certainly disappointing to go down the way that they did. Uh, there are a lot of players out there which you've got to consider. And I think of also you've got to remember too that, uh, and I, I think this is why Wayne Bennett's big on the not needing to recruit instantly for this year. There's some really good players coming to that team next year. Uh, Thomas Flegler is going to be in that Maroon squad again. He was very good in game one. Herbie Farmworth is, oh, I think, going quite under the radar this year as one of the better centres in the competition for Brisbane. Mm. Uh, obviously, he's not eligible for origin being English, but he is going just as good as any centre in the comp, in my mind. Uh, and so I think whilst there's, yeah, some difficult patches for the Dolphins, you've got to remember, too, this is the first year. Um, obviously, they've certainly overachieved on so many people's expectations to start the season. Um, they're the most suspended team in the competition. So discipline and fatigue is starting to be an issue for that side. And as that happens over the course of a year, you're going to have players that uh, haven't necessarily played a full season of first row before needing to play week in and week out. Um, so I think these, these dips are to be expected. Uh, I don't think the honeymoon is over, though. I think there's a really good side there and a really good culture of competitiveness. Um, and I think whilst that was not on show in the second half, of this week's game, I think certainly as they rebound and get back together again and get some of those players back, it sounds like Sean O'Sullivan might be back for their next game, which is a huge inclusion for them. Um, I think they'll start to again pick up. And I think they're absolutely still in the mix for this top eight race. It's, it's such a tight competition this year. Um, I think we're, everyone's probably looking for the Dolphins to run out of puff a little bit. I just don't think they will. They're a Wayne Bennett team. They will continue to fight for the whole season. Wayne's been through this before. He's seen every scenario in a, in a top eight race and knows exactly what his team needs to do. I would absolutely not be surprised if they're still in contention for the eight come round 27 this year. And last play I want to ask you about, Luke Brooks won't be a Tiger. What colour jersey will he wear next year, do you think? And will it be in Australia? Yeah, really good question. Obviously news uh, emerging over the weekend that Luke Brooks has knocked back the offer from the Tigers. Uh, probably the first thing to note here is that that uh, offer can then obviously be changed and Luke may end up staying. It does sound unlikely at this point, but it is worth putting that out there. Luke's uh, been at the Tigers since he debuted back in 2013, having come through the junior grades there. So his whole life has been in Sydney. Uh, and I think he's uh, shown in the last month just how good he can be when he the shackles are off a little bit. I think he was, again, one of their best uh, against Canberra the week before. He obviously starting his 200th game as they ran up 60-odd points against the Cowboys. And so there's been some really good signs there for Luke. Uh, I'd be very surprised if there's a number of teams that aren't in for Luke. Um, Canberra's been one that's been heavily linked before. Um, the Bulldogs uh, uh, could be an option. Uh, obviously, there's offers from overseas that appear to be there. I think there's a number of teams that will certainly be in the mix for Luke Brooks, particularly given uh, his price tag this year, which is reported to be well, well beyond $1 million. Probably won't be the case next year. Um, so certainly there'll be a number of teams that are be in for Luke, and I think it's it's really interesting because the upside is there. This is a guy that's played 200 first-grade games who knows what's required week in and week out. He's going to miss the next few weeks with a hamstring injury, so a really good opportunity for him to 
take some time to recover on that and sort out his future. Uh, he's got a young family. He's got a, a, a baby that he had last year. He's been in Sydney his whole life. So there's obviously plenty keeping him in Sydney, which is a chance for him to stay around his family. But also it might be a time for him to move, uh, whether that's both interstate or overseas. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a number of teams come in for Luke um, because I think there's a really good player there and a really good halfback that uh, ultimately halfbacks don't grow on trees and, and a good one in the NRL can be hard to find. Yeah, brilliant. Hey, Dan, love talking uh, the 13-man code with you. Enjoy the rest of your week. We'll catch up before too long. Fantastic. Good to chat and uh, up the waz. <laughs> oh, there it is. There it is. New Zealand. Up the waz. Oh, from Dan Talentai from NRL.com. Absolutely love that. Right, we'll have a break. We'll come back after that. Helping you tune out your annoying workmate. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Righto, some text messages that have been coming in for the last hour and a half. Let's get through some of them. Always appreciate them. Double eight, double three, temper be a post text machine. There was one angle showing the ball touched the ground, the and they only showed it once. All angles, you couldn't see it, but you could see a hand getting under it, but it was a different angle, but it appeared to be after the first shot showing the ball from Peter. Staffy, the Warriors won't win the NRL this year because Mike Hosking has said it's our year, and everything Hosking says is wrong. So unfortunately, the Warriors won't be doing it. Also, Ari Savia is a champion. I agree, Charlie. Um, was it sixth fastest all time or all time in the NCAA? Oh, Henry, I was talking about um, Maya, 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 Maya Ramston. Uh, she won the NCAA 1500 metres. She is the sixth fastest New Zealand woman at 1500 metres, and she's still at college. Fantastic effort. Uh, the Warriors rope doped the Raiders. That's a very good uh, definition. Lulled them. Lulled them. Staffy, the low light has to has to be the Hurricanes being robbed. Artie did score. Brumbies were offside before, as Jeff Wilson noticed on the breakdown last night. Regards, Steve. Crusaders got a... Oh, no, that was called back when Will Jordan was in front of a kick. Yes. Staff, I think Terry and his mob down there might be in for a big shock when they're watching the final on TV from Auckland. Cheers, Ken. <sighs> Guns drawn. Staffy, I didn't see the Artie no try, so I can't make a comment. However, one thing I did see was Elliot Dixon scoring in the 2015 Super Rugby final. Did he realise at the time that he scored, didn't score, that it'd still be a cultish type try rugby moment? What are we? Eight years later. The Hurricanes now know what it's like to have been a Warriors fan most weeks of every season. <laughs> And hi, Staff and Sam. My question, read the Warriors, is how to fit Roger Tuivasa-Shek in next year? Who misses out? So they've made it no secret, Sammy, that he'll be playing centre next year for the Warriors. We are There is someone in the midfield. Is Kossi going? Someone's going from the centres. No, so Pompey is off contract at the Pompey. end of the year. Yeah, so they, they have, chances are they probably won't re-sign him, which is actually a shame for him because he's played pretty well in 2023 and credit to him because he's improved a lot. But... Funnily enough, they haven't actually confirmed. They've confirmed that Chance will play fullback. They haven't confirmed Roger will play centre, but he will play centre. As far as I understand, the at the moment they're favouring uh, Roger and Ali Latoa centre pairing because Ali Latoa is a right edge, and they want to play. Uh, sorry, was, uh, uh, that was his debut, eh? Correct.
Correct, yeah. Jeez, he was good. He was fantastic. Almost flawless, to be honest. I don't think he missed a tackle. Took um, those high balls in traffic. Took a great high ball at one point and, and um, made a couple of tackle busts as well. He He's fantastic. Is very he highly like touted. Yeah, he is. 20 years old. Yeah, 19 or 20. Um, yeah, it was it was phenomenal. I mean, that, that just can I actually give you a stat? Go on. I'll give, it, I'll give you two, actually. I'll give you two. You're not the first robbing one, from your what's making news. Do you no, want to no, I was, I was borderline going to um, hold it for that. But no, uh, Tom Ali, right, who scored a try on uh, on Friday, his first NRL try. I've been waiting for him to score 20 oh, games, first NRL try. Now, I know his name theoretically is Thomas, mm. but Tom Ali is the shortest name to score a try in rugby league history. <laughs> and interesting, it's three syllables. Tom Ali, yeah. You'd think they'd so, be... There are some others, though, like um, someone brought up Tex Hoy from the Newcastle Knights. I think he has scored. So there's a couple of other six letters, but that is the shortest you can, you, you, that we've had is six letters. Wow. Tom Arley. So there's a great stat for you. The other one that I um, actually tweeted out this morning, Steph, and it's, people have really jumped on it, and that is uh, the defensive record of the Warriors. So at the moment, they have the second best defensive record in the competition behind Penrith when you look at is points against. Points against. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, Brisbane arguably is in front of us because they have. I think they've only got they've only conceded five more points, but they've played an extra game. Right. So we'll obviously catch up when we when we catch up to them. So maybe we're sort of second or third. But you can contra- uh, contrast that to round fifteen last year. So round fifteen in twenty twenty two, we had we had conceded four hundred and thirty three points, and that was the most in the NRL by a country mile, by at least like fifty or sixty points. And we were sitting in sixteenth or fifteenth. This year we've conceded two hundred and fifty eight. So it's nearly a two hundred point turnaround in the space of twelve months. It's remarkable. That is a remarkable turnaround in the space of 12 months. Coach of the year at the Daly M's. Has yeah, to. Yeah, and I think, you know, so we, we're getting Toru Harrison running it straight this week, Warriors captain, and I'm actually going to ask him about where the defensive efforts come from because I'm sure there's a lot of factors and I'm sure Webby plays a big role in it, but so do the players and so do training and mindset and attitude and leadership. So, you know, there's a lot going on there, but where does where do the sort of they see a lot of this coming from? It's mm. going to be interesting. But yeah, phenomenal, phenomenal performance on Friday night. Best of the year. Best of the year. Yeah. Do you know, at one point, I know we've got to get to news. At one point, they had they had tackled the Raiders 45 times in their own half to the Raiders 15 in theirs. Like we had had, I think, two sets in their half, and that wasn't even in their half. It was like just over halfway. <laughs> they had had 45 against us, and they had only scored eight points. Six of them came from a du- well, not dubious, but a, an unlucky bounce to, that fell into the hands of Jack One, and the other one came from a penalty, which I'm still trying to understand with Dalamatini's Lesniak, you know, the instigator oh, of. No. This. Don't get me started on that, but you know, to look at that and to, and some Canberra f- fan tweeted and said or commented on something and said that is the best defensive forty minutes I've ever seen in the history of the NRL. Wow. You know, find me a better defensive performance. So, big question is, Steph, can they do it against a Penrith? Can they do it against a Melbourne? Can they do it against a South Sydney? Because those are the teams you've got to beat if you want to win a premiership. Next home game is South Sydney. Correct. So we go by away St George, home South Sydney. Correct. Get your big merch. Game. Get your merch. Yeah, it's going to be sold out. It's going right. to be a cracker. Um, we'll take a break for news. We'll come back after that. On the Blue Highway we go down to the bottom of the North Island, catch up with Paulie Mawari. Kia orana, Paul. Yeah, g'day, Steph. How are you? Very well. First question. We had a listener yep. ring and plead that I ask you this. 
Sean Johnson to yeah. score a try. Apparently there were a number of big bets. He went off with a mucked up face. Did you bank the money like all of us thought he wasn't going to come back on and get a goober of an intercept? <laughs> <laughs> i tell you what, it was pretty much one-way traffic with uh, uh, just about every single bet on that Warriors match because everyone, every man and his dog was backing the Warriors. They were backing Sean Johnson to do all sorts of things. <laughs> and so those who backed him to score a try would be very, very happy. Those who backed the Warriors are very happy. It was um, yeah, it was a great uh, well it was a great game but also a great result for a number of punters out there. Um, it's always tempting to look back, but I really do want to look forward because there's so much stuff coming up. NBA finals tomorrow is it over? Uh, according to punters, no, because we've taken a bit of action on the Heat. They were three ninety this morning to win. Uh, game five, they're now 375, the Miami Heat. The Denver Nuggets have drifted out slightly to $1.26. Um, so I don't know if punters are, are, are backing the Miami Heat because they, they think they're a good chance at that price or they just want the series to go a wee bit longer, to go maybe um, maybe six games. So, yeah, the early money uh, so far has been on the Miami Heat. Uh, at around 390, they're now into 375, um, and I'm just having a look at some of the um, boosted um, uh, boosted options, and there's no surprises here. But Jokic appears in a number of power plays, but we've got a boosted option that uh, has him in it. It's a Jokic to record a triple double, and Aaron Gordon to score 15 or more points. That's been boosted from 420 out to five dollars. So Jokic has had a hell of a series. In fact, he's had a hell of a, fi- um, a finals playoffs. Uh, he has played really, really well for the Nuggets, and uh, he's a big reason why they are three to one games up uh, in this series against the Miami Heat. Uh, the Baggy Greens won the World Test Championship, and on Friday, uh, what a way to warm up for a Asher series, as Sam pointed out to me, you know, uh, the World Test Championship test, and then four days later, uh, they lace them up. Uh, Friday, 10 o'clock it starts, ball by ball commentary here. I'm looking at the prices, Paulie. $7.25 for a draw. That's a baseball price, that one. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about the series. Um, yeah. Is that what you're talking about at the moment? Yeah, yes. You know that. Well, Baz plays to win, and the Aussies, they usually play to win as well. So unless there's three days of rain in a single test, it's very, very hard to see any of these tests um, ending up in a draw. Um, so at the money, that series winner, um, the best-backed uh, selection there has been the Australians at $1.83. Although... Uh, England aren't without their fans, uh, and we've seen a, a bit of action on them as well at 2.55. Not a lot doing with that draw at 7.25. The boys have also put up a number of boosted um, series markets as well. Um, either team to win the series 3-2. It's been boosted out to $4. Mm. Uh, Scott Boland to be the top series bowler uh, has been boosted from 7.50 out to 8.50. And Ben Stokes to be the top England batter in the series has been boosted from 850 out to 950. All of those have taken a wee bit of cash. Let's have an early look at the Super Rugby Pacific semi-finals. Uh, I'm going to try and guess them without looking at them. I'd say you'd have Crusaders about five-point favourites, and I think you'll have the Chiefs probably wrongly 
at about seven point favourites. Uh, you're right on the money with the Crusaders. They're four and a half point favourites against the Blues. Dollar fifty uh, to win the match. The Blues two forty five. Uh, the Chiefs though they're ten and a half point oh. favourites uh, against the Brumbies. They're a dollar twenty five to win the game. Brumbies three dollars and eighty cents. So there's obvious there's obviously a wee bit of value there, possibly for you, Steph. Show me the money on Thursday. I'm taking the Brumbies. If that's still ten and a half, I'm all over it. <laughs> yes. Well, lot, lots to look forward to. I don't want to use up all of our subject matter yep. for the whole week, Paulie. So uh, I thank you for joining us on a Monday, and uh, we will catch up with you later in the week, no doubt. Yep, very good, Steph. Don't forget, US Open this uh, weekend oh, yes. as well. Uh, Scotty Scheffler, currently the favourite at $8.50. Brooks Kipka uh, and John Rahm, both at $11.00. Um, but we, we can have a chat about that later on in the week. Definitely will. Thanks for the heads up, buddy. Very good. Paul Mawadi from the TAB, tab.co.nz, or download their app, and it's just going to get better and better soon as all of the new bits and bobs with the Entain merger will start coming into play. Um, so looking forward to that, but uh, make sure you're 18, do it responsibly. Uh, big thanks to Paul for joining us from the TAB. We'll ha- take a break and we'll find out what Sam's been troughing through the wires of the weird and wonderful and what's making news. Getting you through the day like a hot cuppa after lunch. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Welcome back in. John from Auckland's called in. G'day, John. Yeah, g'day, Steffi. Wow, what a what a weekend of sport we had. Wasn't it, though? It was brilliant, wasn't it? Oh, just loved it. Yeah, exactly. Um, started with the Warriors on Friday night. That was amazing. One of the best performances I've seen from the club in, oh, geez, 10-odd years, I'd say. Mm. You know, just going over to Canberra where it's bloody zero degrees and, <laughs> you know, 23,000 screaming Camberians, and then there's the Warriors that just turn up and win by 20-odd points. Soaked it up and then put them away. It was just so good to watch. Oh, it was amazing. Man. I, I, I actually watched that game over the Blues, and you know that I'm a Blues supporter. But just to see the Warriors do well, I mean, the commentators did say, you know, you might need more stands at Mount Smart. Well, how about shifting the games to Eden Park? <laughs> the way was... they're playing, they'll get... They'll get 50000 easy. It would be incredible. Come playoff time, they wouldn't take it away. They're, they're very loyal to their base, aren't they, and their fans? Yeah, and, and you know, we're quite, as rugby league fans, we're quite parochial. You know, we don't really like to share the limelight with rugby union. <laughs> um, yeah. and, and, and seeing rugby league kind of overshadow super rugby at the moment um, is brilliant, really. Rugby league's first and foremost for me, and I love seeing it. But just quickly, on the quarterfinals for Super Rugby, good to see the Blues, the Chiefs, and the Crusaders go through. I feel for the Canes. You know, I love the the brand of footy they've played. Mm. Love Adi Savia. He's always, for me, should have been the All Black captain. He always should have been. Um, but you know, I'm not the All Black coach. Sam Kane's awesome player, but just to see his emotion, mate, and he's so loyal, so loyal to that region, you know. Um, just the Hurricanes are so lucky to have a player like that. Yeah, their club. Yeah, he's just been brilliant. He'll be badly missed. He'll be sorely missed. 
But, John, um, please you enjoyed the weekend, buddy. Um, more to come. Yep. Cheers, mate. Cheers, Have buddy. There's John from Auckland. Now let's find out what's making news. Ladies and gentlemen, I've, I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. What's making news around the world. I'm humming along without, yeah. without my mic on. Sure. What do you got? I'd rather you turn your mic on so we can all hear. Yeah. Probably not a good thing. <laughs> um, well, look, a lot of sport on, Steph, over the weekend. Yes. And un- some might say inundated yes. with uh, sporting content. And um, a perfect weekend to park up on the couch, although it was beautiful outside, might I add. Um, got my washing dried anyway. Fantastic. While, while I was inside watching the sport. Chopped a bit of wood myself. Um but what is making news around the world that's not making the mainstream headlines? And you do need to know people because this this sort of stuff affects the stock market, uh, food prices, petrol prices, everything uh, from A to Z. Let's start with a, um, a teenager out of Japan, Steph, who uh, is facing a legal case worth 67 million yen. Now, that is uh, $480,000 US for anyone who's wondering the conversion, and that is, what, 700, 800, maybe 900 New Zealand? Close to a mil. It's close to a mil. Um, The reason why is he's on TikTok. He's a TikToker. um, And he would record himself at a sushi joint licking his fingers and then touching plates of sushi as they oh, pass by. No. And sometimes um, he would like grab the soy bottle and like lick the top of it and put it back down. Don't ask me why this guy did this, but supposedly it sort of went viral. I, I guess if you did see it, you'd share it around. And the sushi restaurants faced a massive decline in customers because obviously no one wanted to go and taste the licked sushi. And so they're, they're suing him for damages you know um but i just you know it's one of those things where you see it and you're like you read the headline that someone's getting sued for licking sushi um yeah not the smartest thing to do i'm on the shop side hey yeah i probably am as well actually no Mm. need to lick the sushi wasn't like it was a harmful gag people can get seriously and it's in japan as well very manners based very polite um you just don't go around licking people's food um We'll take you to California, if I may. Just a quick hop across the pond to California. Uh, We're a real estate agent by the name of John Rays. Reese Rays? Went went to Los Angeles to clean out uh, the former home of his father-in-law and expected to find some trash, naturally, as you're cleaning out the home. Instead, he found some cash. Not e-cash, but cash. In the form of one million copper pennies. Oh, my God. Just bags of pennies, right? So, um... Bags filled with pennies made before the US switched from copper to zinc in the 80s, so in a way redundant. Um, And after weighing the bags, determining the approximate amount in each bag, he figured that there was about a million pennies. Um, He tried to exchange them at a nearby Wells Fargo, which I'm imagining it's some sort of exchange. Um, They didn't have enough space. Uh, They went to a, uh, they transported the pennies in two trucks to a bank close to their home. They didn't want anything to do with it. So they're just trying to sell them like on eBay, as is. Uh, funnily enough, they reckon that they're worth about $10,000, but they're trying to sell them for $25,000 because short of going through every coin, they're claiming that there's going to be some rare ones in there that people want. So we'll sell it for twenty five grand. You get the whole million pennies. 
go ahead. God, that'll take some sorting. It would take a lot of sorting. It's but, a, you know, if you're a company, just, you know. School you know, project. School project. It's great. Just everyone gets a bag and split it open and go through it. Fine tooth comb. Um, I'm sure they'll the figure it out. The one would find my pocket if they brought that to Terrace in school. And this one is fantastic. This is the audio staff of an 84-year-old play-by-play caller by the name of John Sterling, who's been calling Yankee games for as long as time has been in existence. Okay. And uh, you'll have to kill this man to get him out of the booth, which is what someone potentially tried to do uh, when they hit a foul ball uh, on Saturday night into the booth, live on air, hitting our John Sterling. Have a listen. And Holmes at the belt. Now the 3-2 swung on, a pop foul back here. Ow! 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 It really hit me. I didn't know it was coming back that far. So once again, it'll be a 3 and he just carries on like Ow. nothing's happened. What Ow. a what a professional! That what a, a consummate professional. professional! Just keeps going despite being hit and I'm going to say the arm by a line drive foul ball. Yeah. Um, I got a fact for you. Do I save it? Save it. Are you sure? Yep. And you come up with one for me as well. All right. All right. After the break. After the break. Fact. Helping you tune out your annoying workmate. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. That time. It's actually a bit of a story, but <clears throat> okay. Dorothy Fletcher, mm-hmm. ring a bell. Yep. Dot. Mm. Is dot that Dorothy? Dot. Dot. <coughs> that, dot yep. Yeah. Um, Sixty-seven years old. Mm. Doesn't at the, time, at the time. Mm. At the time. At the time. Now she once had a heart attack on a plane. Did Dorothy? And when the stewardess asked if there were, uh, if there was a doctor on board, fifteen people stood up. Wow. And helped Dorothy survive. The best part, though, Steph, they were on their way to a cardiology conference. <laughs> wow. Isn't that great? It's ever a good time to have a heart attack. I know. People on their way to a cardiology conference. Although you probably would have wanted them on the way back, right, with mm. the fresh information that they had learnt rather mm. than, I guess, going there to learn. But I've got a fact. Please spill. Twitter. Yes. Person with the most followers. Ever. Or now. Currently. Uh, Elon. Elon Musk. Yeah. Second, Barack Obama. Third, Justin Bieber. Fourth, Cristiano Ronaldo. Wow. So Elon Musk has 142 million. Only 5% of Twitter users have over 100 followers. Only 5% have over 100? Have over 100. Oh, that's insane. There you go. Bots. That is a great fact. I don't know where that was going, but that was great. (laughs) Bots. Bots. We've got Nisbo coming up after the news. Bit of rugby chat. From lunch through to tea, this is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ.
And just gone two o'clock. Remember the run homes joining you from three till six. Beaver and Kirst, the off firm are back. But right now we're going to talk some Super Rugby Pacific. And joining us is Golden Tonsils himself, Grant Nisbet. Nisbo, very important first question. Was it a try? <laughs> G'day, Steph. Um, look, if Artie says it was a try, it was a try. <laughs> yes, I agree. Should they have awarded it? Um, my feeling is if Nick Berry had said, I'm awarding a try, give me a reason to overturn it, it would have been a try. So it was his sentence. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all in, it's all in the asking of the question, isn't mm, it? Mm. Um he could have said, I don't know, um, give me a reading. He uh, he said no try, didn't he? And then the poor old TMO had to prove that it was and overturn it. So, look, it was pretty difficult. It wasn't conclusive either way, really. Mm. Um, you know, I think the Hurricanes uh, will rue the fact that they missed a few opportunities uh, in the build-up to that last move and also in the first half when they allowed a couple of soft tries. Uh, I think we've sort of overlooked that a wee bit. But, yeah, it was disappointing. But, uh, you know, Artie, Artie was pretty sure that he got it down. But uh, I'm not so sure that uh, on the tally we could actually see it. Yeah, I'm with you. And, uh, and for the Hurricanes fans pointing their finger at the referee, I, I begrudgingly would say Geordie Barrett had an unmarked man on the outside and decided to tuck and run and didn't score. He will rue that for a long time. Yeah, it looked that way, didn't it? I mean, sometimes uh, it looks a lot easier than what it really is. Um, but that appeared to be the case uh, for sure. But, uh, you know, I mean, it all came down to that last movement. Uh, you know, the Hurricanes probably should have had the game won. They led by eight points. That's two scoring plays mm. with about, what, 10 minutes to go. Probably shouldn't have blown that in the first thing. How much are the Hurricanes going to miss the like? So they're losing a lot, Nisbo. Um, Dane Coles, Artie Savia, um, that's worth about 10 players in my book. Yeah, leadership's a big thing. Um, you know, Dane Coles, a previous captain, of course, and Artie Savia, the current captain. It'll be interesting to see who, in fact, takes over the captaincy there. They do get Brad Shields back, remember? Mm. And, um, and he's a vastly experienced player. Whether he's uh, going to step into the captaincy, I, I doubt it very much. Uh, it'll be very interesting. But, you know, these things happen. But players get turned over. You look at the Crusaders next year, they're not going to have Whitelock. They're not going to have Whainga Anuku. They're not going to have Moanga. And so, um, you know, it happens to all of the franchises. It just so happens that the Hurricanes are losing two of their very best. The Saturday game, Chiefs against the Reds. I was mightily impressed with the Reds. Should never have got close. They damn near could have won that game. I thought it was an amazing performance by the Reds. Yeah, look, on paper, the Reds have looked to be a pretty good team all season, really. Sure, they've had a few injuries like all of the teams have. But, you know, when I looked at the Australian teams and saw some of the personnel involved in the Reds, I thought they should have had a much better a winning percentage than what they did. So I wasn't overly surprised that they probably saved their best till last. And, of course, they knew very much uh, that Brad Thorne was on the way out, and they probably wanted to prolong that for another week as well. But, uh, yeah, they did. They played really well. And there were times in that game where you thought, hell, there's going to be a major upset here, but the Chiefs just found enough in the end. But I think the the Reds can reflect on a pretty disappointing season, really. I mean, OK, they made the... Chiefs worked pretty hard to make the semi-finals, but 
you know, they should have finished higher than what they did. Mm. And the Crusaders absolutely dusted up the Fijian drawer. Um, I loved that a, a plane or two worth of fans came over Fiji and gave that stadium an incredible atmosphere. But they were never in it at, at all. But is that good preparation for sudden death semi-final? Well, look, they, they, they had a game plan and they knew that, that if they could dominate uh, the set phases, they were going to win the game. And, of course, the Fijian Drua didn't help themselves. I mean, the very first kick of the game didn't go 10 metres and um, they suddenly found themselves 21-0 down, three converted tries down inside the first 15 minutes. And you just got the feeling that they were never going to get back from that. And uh, the Crusaders were just typically clinical uh, they dominated in the scrums and uh, they kicked a fair bit. They wanted to play the game in Fijian territory, that's for sure, and because they knew that the Fijian drawer would run the ball from anywhere and, and that's exactly how it, how it panned out, really. It was, it was a fairly naive performance from the Fijian drawer, but I think they felt pretty much as if they'd uh, made their season by even making the playoffs. And fair enough, too, in their second year, they did what... Teams like the Melbourne Rebels and the Western Force have never done, and that is qualify for the playoffs, and they did it in their second year. So they can reflect on what really has been a, a pretty damn good year. They won six games, but uh, they showed a bit of naivety, I thought, in that game the other night. And then we've got the Brumbies. Um, I've always thought come playoff time they're going to be a threat because while they might not have the strike power in, in their team, and they are the best team in Australia, I love what Stephen Larkham does with game plans, uh, taking on opposition, um, got the win over the Hurricanes. That could have gone either way. I think they could really dish up a, a very problematic game plan for the Chiefs. Yeah, look, they're going to be hard to beat. Um, they just know how to play this sort of knockout style of rugby, don't they? But I don't know whether they're quite the Brumbies of old or even of last year, to be honest with you. Um, I think if the Chiefs can regain some of the uh, panache that they had a, a little earlier in the season and play a bit better than what they did against the Reds, that they should deal it up to the Brumbies. But the Brumbies are going to be highly competitive. There are certain things you need to know when you play the Brumbies. You certainly don't want them having a, a line out five metres out from your line because that's almost guaranteed five or even seven points. Mm. So, look, you've got to be very careful when you play the Brumbies. Uh, but I think on home territory, if this game was in Canberra, maybe a little different, but it's in uh, Hamilton. So really no excuses for the Chiefs. Uh, they've, they've got to pick it up and I think they will go through. So who will they play in this? But the Crusaders Blues is just wet your appetite stuff, isn't it? It sure is. And I thought I think I might have mentioned on the commentary, one of the exciting parts of the week is going to find out who is actually playing for the Crusaders, who's <laughs> available and who's not. Um, they've got some real issues. It, it looks as though Sam Whitelock will be missing. Uh, Apparently that injury is a little bit uh, more serious than first anticipated. So for him to be missing and to lose Zach Gallagher too uh, as a backup lock makes it really, really tough for them. Obviously they'll start with Barrett and Strange, but uh, without Gallagher to sit on the bench, you kind of wonder where they'll turn next when it comes to um, to lock forwards. Then, of course, you've got the question mark over uh, Blackadder, Ethan Blackadder. Uh, they say that he bought him off uh, as a precaution, and he didn't look to be too bad, let's be honest, but 
um, these things can uh, can get worse when you when you cool down a wee bit. And Richie Moonga, I think that was precautionary. Um, they certainly need him to be there. So it is going to be really, really interesting to see when the team comes out exactly who's fit and who's available. What do you make? We've had a lot of comment from our listeners, both via phone calls and text messages, about um, the game plan of the Blues, and they are just kicking the ball so often, aimlessly. Um, I feel like we don't, we're not seeing the best of Bowden Barrett. It's almost like first option is to kick now, and yet he's such a good attacker of the line, and he does do it occasionally, and he's really good at it. What are you making of the approach of the Blues? Yeah, it's almost like they're, uh, they're, they're afraid to attack because a mistake could result in a try at the other end. Um, I think if they, they need to go down to Christchurch with a positive mindset and really take it to the Crusaders. You kick the ball back to the Crusaders and they'll probably just kick it back to you and you'll finish up with a game of force back. We know how the Crusaders play. They like to play in the opposition half and put pressure on, look for turnovers, look for scrums, whether they can generate penalties, etc., etc. So I think when you go down to Christchurch, you've got to have a slightly positive mindset. might be an idea to go back and have a look at the very first game of the season mm. when the Chiefs went down to the Crusaders and absolutely annihilated them in Christchurch. Have a look at their game plan that night and, uh, and see if you can emulate that. I was impressed by the Blues actually last week in that they scrummaged well, they stole a lot of opposition line-out ball, and their defence was outstanding. So those sort of prerequisites are important when you go to Christchurch. You've got to be able to front up in the set pieces, and you've got to be able to defend. So I think they'll be feeling reasonably buoyant as they head down south. And last thing, Nisbo, All Blacks' first squad not too far away from being named. Do you envisage any debutants? Maybe not World Cup, but this first, this first little foray into international rugby. Do you think Fozzie might just have a look at some at international level going into a World Cup, or debutants will find it harder than ever? Oh, look! I think they're naming thirty-six next Sunday night staff, so that's that's a hell of a lot of players. Um, I think some will get named, but may not play. Um, I, think, I don't think there'll be any absolute bolters. I mean, a lot of the names that have been thrown around over the last month or so uh, deserve to be thrown around. Names like, you know, Stevenson, uh, Narawa, um, Roy Gard, these sort of guys. There seems to be a little bit of um, oil around for uh, Finau, mm. uh, the least loose forward for the Chiefs. Um, but, I, you know, all of those names have been bandied around over the last month or so. So I think in a squad of 36 we're unlikely to be surprised. Mm. Awesome, Nisbo. Um, you enjoy the rest of the week. Rest those tonsils, mate. you got a big semi-final to call this weekend. Good on you, staff. Cheers, mate. There he is, Grant Nisbo, voice of Super Rugby there on Sky and also the international programme, which isn't far away, 36 names. So, yeah, it's, there's probably going to be some players like the sort of vibe for Fita of yesteryear, those sorts of players that might get a couple of stints off the bench. Um, Talia's going to be there, isn't he? Roygaard. I, I was expecting to see TJ Perinara back by now. I think they were looking at getting him involved from quarterfinal or even the week before. Um, unsighted. So 
He's going to have to campaign his way back into the All Blacks through the MPC if there's enough time, you'd imagine. He'll probably join the squad um, without being in the squad, if you know what I mean. They quite often do that, get him in and around it um, for his leadership skills. But we'll find out that. A um, couple of texts here. Geordie Barrett should have passed to his right. He had an unmarked man just before the no try try. I agree. Mark, the Cricket World Test Championship, do you think the bowler's crease lines are thinner than normal? Well, I wish I could. Is there any replays on at the moment? That's a, You've made me think about something I've never thought about. Uh, from Alvin, afternoon, guys. Who won the sweepstake? Alvin, you're leading, but there's a game to go. So you're leading. I think the lowest points total so far is 36. And you had the highest point scorer of DMAC. So unless tonight goes lower, you're at Elvin, but we don't know till tomorrow. And here's a good one from our regular listener, caller, texter. Hey, Staffy, this is Craig from Tauranga. I'm listening from a beach chair in Rarotonga. Weather perfect, life's great, especially because the Warriors won and the Chiefs and the Blues won. Even better, listening to my favourite radio show. Cheers from Chris. Oh, Kirana, Chris. Pineapple pina colada. Have one of those for me, champion. We will take a break. Speaking of cricket, we're going to talk some cricket after this break. Getting you through the day like a hot cuppa after lunch. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Uh, apologies, I said Craig from Tauranga. It's Chris in Tauranga. <laughs> and Craig wishes he was in Tauranga. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, good to ha- have you listening over there in Rarotong. So you must be listening on the app. Must be listening on the app. We're just struggling to get through from our cricket reporter for Seven News, uh, Theo Doropoulos. Um, we're trying to get through to him, and don't think it's working, is it, Sam? Not working. Um, he must just be too excited. That uh, he might be still celebrating. Actually, Aussies winning the World Test Championship final. Anyone but India, really. Although I don't like Aussie winning it. Um, you must be gutted if you're India because the amount of money and people that you have and you've now lost back-to-back World Test Championship finals. Oh, yeah, because we beat them as Correct, well. Correct, yeah. Stick to your IPL. You wait. <laughs> oh, they're putting the line through World Test Championship now, aren't they? Are they? I think so. Don't tell me. No way. That's the best thing to happen to Test Cricket in the last couple of years. Maybe I'm wrong. In terms of making it relevant, you might be right. Um, I'll tell you what. If there is another one, yeah. bet your bottom dollar it'll be played in India. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Because we, we, we talked about I know you mentioned it just before the break. Like, you could not get a more perfect build-up to an Ashes starting, if you're Australia, than playing a game of that magnitude in England. Because usually they'll go over and play, like, an England A or an England first level, whatever it is. I mean, that's no genuine warm-up. And generally, it's, what, three days? They play, like, a three- or four-dayer. Mm. But they've played a genuine, you know, final atmosphere test match in England a couple of days before the Ashes starts. It just could not be better for them. Mm. Yeah, you're right. I'm, I was looking. I was getting ready to chat to Theo. Actually, I, I just I'm I marvel at the bowling attack of Australia. Mm-hmm. So India's first innings: Stark two wickets, Cummins three, Boland two, Green two, Lyon one. All shared around. All come in, uh, captained really well. Second innings: Cummins one, Boland three, Stark two, Lyon four. Cam Green only bowled five overs, didn't get one. Just, no Hazelwood in this as well either, right? Yeah, so Boland took his place. Yeah. And I want to ask Theo, do they stick with Boland? Um, Pat Cummins, Pat Cummins said 
Scott Boland's my, something like my favourite player right now. I mean, that second innings, uh, 16 overs, three for 46, and just ripped through them on that last day. Um, whenever I look at scoreboards, I look at Davey Warner, don't I? 43 first innings, one second innings. This Travis Head is a special player, though, isn't he? 163 in the first dig. Steve Smith got 121. Big, big partnership. That's sort of the partnership that set it up. Um, and in the second dig, um, they made 270 for eight, declared. They tried to put the foot down a little bit. Although, having said that, Manus Labashkagni, 41 off 126. That's not rapid. That's not rapid at all. I think he's joining us now. We've tracked him down, um, still celebrating the World Test Chat. We know what it was like. We, we were the first inaugural holders. Our name's on the trophy. Theo, welcome in. Staffy, always good to be on the podium with one of the all-time great cricketing countries. What a pleasure for Australia. <laughs> yeah, it's, it must be good to be second only to New Zealand. You know, that's that's, <laughs> that's a pretty good thing. But we're just saying um, while we're getting you up, what a perfect, perfect scripted build-up for the Ashes to play in England, in white-hot atmosphere, it's almost like a six-test series of stress and endeavour for the Aussies. Yeah, absolutely. Tremendous preparation. And we're sort of watching this game unfold at the Oval, thinking, you know, is the one test the best way to decide the best playing, the best test-playing nation, just the one game? You know, is it a series? Is it a grand final better? And, you know, I, I think in those conditions, Australia always felt like the favourites to me. And then once India sort of botched the toss and didn't include Ravi Ashwin, I thought, oh boy, this is going to be a long couple of days for them if they don't get things right. But yeah, it was a tremendous performance, wasn't it? Australia was in a bit of trouble early on and go on to make sort of 460 in the first innings and India was on the back foot since then. So yeah, the fallout in Australia has been, well, it's been a great sort of day or so of celebration for the guys over in England and I think they'll get the uh, you know, the recognition they deserve after a couple of long years of hard graft at home and uh, in difficult test-playing nations around the country, uh, around the world, sorry. Travis Head, special player. Um, he, What's brought about this amazing return of form? I don't know if he got player of the match, but he'd get it for me with that colossal first innings. Yeah, he was. He was man of the match. And this is just something that Travis has been building towards for years, really. I mean, the irony is he was left out I think it was almost four tests ago in India. He didn't really get the chance to defend his crown and he, he was dropped for the first test. But he did it in Hobart. If you remember the Ashes, the series he had gone recently. It was a bit of a green top. He came in after missing the previous test with COVID. You know, he cut loose and made a, a rapid quick fire 100. He did the same at the Gabba when they were under all sorts of pressure on a green top against South Africa with Unric Norkia bowling sort of 145, 150Ks. And, he did it again in this one, you know, 163 from 174 balls. And again, I think from memory, Adelaide Oval, he almost cost himself a double ton too. He had the opportunity to do that. He just scores quickly. He's a guy that really believes in himself. And technically, he's gone to a different level. Um, you know, he used to get drawn into sort of little wafty shots outside the off stump. And he got caught third man in the India Series 2018 in Perth twice in two innings. So to see him get to a stage where He's set a platform for himself and then to go on and score nearly a runner ball for a test ton in a World Test Championship. I mean, he's one of the best players in the world now and, and really, really starting to prove it. If there were any lingering doubters, then I think even they've come around to say he doesn't always pass the eye test, but gee, he's effective, this guy. 
Scott Boland debuted at 32. He's now 34. I bet he wishes he was 24. He's just played eight test matches. Filling in for Josh Hazelwood, he's given the selectors a bit of a headache if Hazelwood's going to be right. Oh, he has. He's a wonderful competitor. And we played, a lot of my junior cricket was played against Scott. And he, he was always a competitor that came at you. But I don't think with respect to him in the younger days, you would have anticipated him being the quantity that he is for Australia. He was always a really solid bowler, especially in the Victorian time behind guys like Dirk Nanners. And they had some really good fast bowlers at the time that they just held the fort really. And, and Scott was always one behind there. And once he got a crack for Victoria, he was always really highly rated. And then to come onto the scene and do what he's done, simple recipe, isn't it, Staffy? You challenge off stump and you make the batters make a decision. And if they make the wrong one, then... He gets the reward, so you know, picked up two in the first innings, and then he comes home with three in the second, and some really crucial ones. I mean, Coley and Jadeja too. He gets Gill with that catch from Cam Green. So, yeah, tremendous. I mean, Josh Hazelwood, he's a, him and him, Pat Cummins, are out and out Rolls-Royce, but so you've got a big Ferrari in Boland waiting not too far behind. So you'd think if Hazelwood's fit, he plays. And unfortunately for Scott, you know, that Andy Bickle role of that glorious mm. team in the 2000s where he just could not get on the park but it was one of the best fast bowlers in the country. I, I think that's Scotty Boland's uh, position at the moment, but so highly rated and a, a much-loved member of that cricket side, and so he deserves to be. A few a few older players in both squads, and being a five-test uh, five series, that's 25 days of cricket. Do you think both teams are going to have to rotate players because it's a big workload? Yeah, it is. I mean, I, I tend to think, you rotate a player if they're sore. I mean, if Josh Hazelwood thinks he can get up and you obviously can't rest the skipper and that's the corner that Australia's backed themselves into with Pat Cummins. Mitch Stark, I know, is keen to play all of them. And I mean, from the top order point of view, I don't think the only one for me, the question mark is over David Warner, whether, you know, sort of 40 and not many in the second innings or one. I don't think that's enough to get him through the series. So interestingly, I know he, he penciled in a retirement test yeah, at the SCG against Pakistan in you know sort of 12 months' time. Not many players have decided to give themselves another two series if you're not making many runs. So <laughs> you'd want to make sure this Ashes is pretty successful for him. But And then you look at Anderson and Broad and Wood. I mean, they've got some some firepower, the English side, don't they? Um, I, I could imagine Anderson sitting a test out, perhaps Broad as well. But for the Aussies, I would expect Hazelwood, Stark and Cummins play the lion's share. Maybe Josh Hazelwood if he's a little sore, like I said. But I think the Aussies, are, they're a bunch that thrive on playing consistent cricket. And gee, what a luxury you've got. Scott Boland sitting on the sidelines if you need a rest. And lastly, I thought Stephen Smith would know Brennan McCullum better than to say, Basball won't beat us. That is fuel to the fire. Well, anyone who's ever had anything to do with Brendan McCullum knows that he is a character that loves winning. You know, he's, a, he's an entertainer. We saw him for near on three decades play international cricket in a way that most of us could only dream of playing. So he's empowered the English side. But I think the style of cricket really is, like Travis Head, is being aggressive, he's moving the game on. They're not unnecessary risks, are they? The ones that England take. I mean, outside of Joe Root trying to reverse sweep early on in his innings, I remember getting caught in that, was it the Sri Lanka series or the... You know, just doing something sort of silly that he didn't need to do, or maybe the New Zealand series. But outside of that, you've got players that are playing aggressive cricket, and it's great to watch. So 
I think the biggest challenge for the English side and the baseball sort of mentality is, well, can, now can you take on Cummins, Stark, Lyon, Hazelwood, Bowen, generally the world's best four or five bowlers on surfaces that are seeming around and have the courage to play carefree and, and not worry about getting out. I mean, that, that's the way that a coach empowers his players is to be better than what they thought they were previously, and it's worked really well for England. The challenge is to sustain that when there is just relentless pressure. And you know, I, I think there might be a few players in the England change room that think we might have to rein it in a little bit. You can't just throw caution to the wind every single time in every single circumstance. So I think Australia's got the firepower to take down Basball, but I, I'd love to see it. It's going to be a tremendous series. It is, and you're going to be sleep-deprived for about six weeks, Theo, <laughs> and we will be tapping into your wisdom as the ashes goes on, mate. Uh, thanks each for joining us, buddy. Steffi, always a pleasure. There he is. Oh. I'm very excited about the Ashes, actually. Theo Deropoulos there, he covers cricket and AFL for Seven News, and we'll be getting him on more regularly as the Ashes gets underway. I think first ball at 10 o'clock New Zealand time this Friday night, and we've got ball by more commentary for you. We'll take the news now with Johnny Mack. Show you the money. Show me the money. Show me the money. I need to feel you, Jerry. Show me the money. Jerry, you better yell. Show me the money. Uh, the great man that is sports freak has told me World Test Championship is locked in for another two-year cycle, final to be played at Lords, and then after that, who knows? But it's a fair assumption it'll be in India. <laughs> uh, interesting, interesting. Is it every two years? Yeah. Well, t- yes. yeah. So there's one, th- one more. And I think it's been great for Test cricket because everything, every Test means something now. You don't just have these two-match series where, you know, who cares, whatever. But I just want everyone to play Australia I know. twice, everyone to play yeah, India twice. That is the dream. That is the dream. It's yeah. just such a weird sport, cricket. Show me the money. Um, show me the money time. And... Um, I, yeah, I don't know whether I should be bullish or not. Um, I didn't w- watch a lot of what we bid on over the weekend, staff. So um, let's start with the positive, shall we? Always like starting positive. And uh, that intimates our, that there's some negative. Our coming. good man uh, Brendan English, who I call Johnny English, um, and I call him Boris. He jumped into the booth and boldly took UFC, which we're not uh, big fans. I've been burnt too many times, staff. And he Back took uh, the Neepstakes. Yeah. Correct. He took Charles Olivier. Is it Oliviera? Oliviera. Oliviera against uh, as an underdog. Against Del, 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 Del Rush, Del Rush, Del Rush, Del Rush, Del Rush. Uh, Let's find out what happened. One of the best commentary teams in all of sport. I agree. Yeah, they're fantastic. Twelve or 13. He's won 12 of his last 13, which is pretty phenomenal. Uh, right, good news number two uh, was Man City to win the Champions League yesterday morning. DeMarco delivers. Oh. 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 Save Edison. I think it was Robin Gerson's. It's a brilliant save again. Yeah. And they've done it. They've done it. Manchester City have done it. Once, twice, three times a champion. Champions of Europe, finally. Yeah, well done. Mm. So um, we're two from two, Steph. How <laughs> good. Starting to get excited. Starting to get a little bit excited, and then we go to the French Open and the mixed doubles. Now, what was Andreescu and Michael Venus paying? $1.97. $1.97. So it was pretty close, eh, yeah. from memory. It was pretty close against... Carto uh, and Puts. And now, look, I haven't... There's no commentary, unfortunately, on the uh, French Open channel, so I've just had to piece this together. Mm-hmm. 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 
<laughs> and that's all I got for you, unfortunately, Steph. And we lost that one out. Lost in the tiebreaker. And finally, we go to the NRL, we go to the Warriors, and we go to the debutant, Ali Lauer Sauer. Um, anytime try score, that's what the listener picked. It's come off a Warriors defender. It's picked up by Whiten, and Jack Whiten will go right underneath the sticks for the Raiders. Tackle five now. Goes to Johnson. Johnson with a kick out towards the corner. Wittenese Lesniak! It's a oh, catch! And what, what an try. amazing try from Dallin Wittenese Lesniak! Nickel Klukstar, he's got a man on the outside. He doesn't need him. Charge Nickel Klukstar. He's got Harris on the right. They go through to uh, Tom Arle, and Tom Arle goes right underneath the posts. Back towards the middle to Johnson. Johnson with players running oh. through, and Luke Metcalf gets another for the Warriors underneath the posts. Once again, now here's Egan. He's got near core running. Good night. Egan goes himself, and Wade Egan underneath the sticks. His defence trying to stand tall. Here's Papali'i trying to bust through the line. He's got it down, Josh Papali'i. Now the Raiders are oh. spinning it early on tackle one. Sean Johnson, who can't believe his luck. I feel like I feel like every Warrior scored a try except. Correct, and they all scored under the sticks. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like I said that line about ten times. So, uh, yeah, look, another week, Steph, another um, set of lessons learned. Two out of four. Are we building to something? Uh, I'd like to say yes. Watermelon sugar high. Oh, that came in. Yeah. Yes. What a result that was. What, what that cheered result. me up. We have to leave now because in exactly an ad break's time, we'll join Jimmy Smith across the ditch. Let's see if he's on time this week. Helping you tune out your annoying workmate. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Wonder if they're on time. Oh, yes! Wow. What deep respect we have for our New Zealand brethren. I was prepared to fill for about twenty seconds because that's become the new norm. Yes. But um, now I'm stumped. This is going to be the worst twenty seconds in radio because I get to talk to you. I think we just did it. Well yeah, done. we just did so, it. We just did. <laughs> I, I understand it's King's birthday weekend over there. We had ours last week. Why does the king have a different birthday in his dominions? I don't know. That's kind of weird, isn't it? But Australia's always behind New Zealand, like with with time. <laughs> Two hours. Yeah, and I and I think the royalty chooses who goes first, and they chose us. Well, it might be nearer the date line. Maybe is that something? Potentially, like that. Yeah. Potentially. The other option is they said, look, you. They gave women the vote first, so let's. They did. We did, I should say, not they. Yes. We we did. We, yeah, yeah, so yeah, are you doing? Whenever, the, hey, no, whenever you do something good, it's oh, you know, we did that, mm. and then when something bad, they did that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so have you been um, mentioning royalty? Have you have you done a theme on that today? Yeah, well, our man Coach K is unavailable today, so into his spot with big shoes to fill. Huge um, two buck chuck. Mm. Uh, and not only has he got us to the break on time to get to SNZ, but he's also come up with a great talk topic. Sporting royalty in rugby league is Brett Kenny, arguably one of the most gifted players of all time. It's a disgrace. He is not an immortal. David from Mwillimbar. So that that's the type of stuff we've been getting. Yeah, because I, I was putting down being King's birthday. I, I've written a list. I've got Jeremy Marshall King, uh, uh, Matt King, former Storm player. Yes. Um, King, Wally Lewis, of course. Of course. Uh, King Carlos Spencer is one from our side. 
Yeah, I think he um, he got a try assist for Sterling Mortlock. Didn't he, he did. He did. Yeah, it was beautiful back in assist. 2003 semi-final rugby World Cup. And four of course, more years. I think is. I think I'm right in lip reading what George Gregan had to say. Uh, line just cut out. Uh, the queen, <laughs> queen of the turf, Sunline won all the big Group One races over in Australia back in the day. Yeah, look, royalty comes in many, many shapes and sizes. Scott Prince, he's another one. Good. We had Brian Lara. Oh, um, yeah. He was the prince. Yeah, he, he was, was the, prince. the prince. Hey, that was a, that's the great line from PG Moody, Peter Moody, the great horse trainer mm-hmm. who had black caviar, of course. Now, Peter Moody, when he first came down from Queensland, was working at Gay Waterhouse's stables at Ramwick. used to play in the South Sydney Rugby League comp. Did he? The, yeah, yeah, in the South Juniors comp. So PG Moody, big tough front rower. Anyway, when he went to England with black caviar and what was it, the King's Stand Stakes that she won? Um, just mm-hmm. uh, the Queen, who was a lover of horse racing. Massive, yes. Yes. She came down and, and PG Moody said to the Queen of England, he said, Queen of England, meet the Queen of Australia. <laughs> <laughs> Can I tell you, you probably haven't heard the story. We have Jeremy Paul, former Wallaby hooker, on every Friday. Do you? JP. I know JP very well. He's a great man. Has he told you about when he met the Queen? No. Good story. So, okay. Wallabies on tour always take a little kangaroo with them. They put them on, put it on halfway when they play. It's their little mascot. And, and, and am I right in saying the youngest player in the squad has to look after it for the entirety of the tour? Yes, and its name's Joey, right? So the Queen came up and said to Jeremy Paul, just sort of leaned forward quietly when she's going down the line meeting them, she said to Jeremy Paul, what's the story with the stuffed kangaroo? Right. And, and he told her, and she burst out laughing. She thought that was really funny, and she moved on. And then the Queen's minders came up to Jeremy Paul and said, we've never seen the Queen laugh like that. What did you say to her? And he said, I just told her my room number and gave her a key. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Very good. He's quick. He's quick. He's um, very quick. That is good. There is the other occasion. I think I'm right in saying it was a test match at Lords, and the Australian cricket team were being introduced to the Queen and she, uh, came along the line. And Dennis Lilly, the great DK Lilly, uh, asked her for – he had a pen and a, a photograph, and he said, would you mind signing this? She said, no, no, respectfully decline. And some weeks later, a, an autographed photo of that moment was sent to Dennis Lilly by the Queen. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. She loved the sport, the Queen. Mm. I know it's the King's birthday, but we're, we're just warming to Chuck. Uh, so <laughs> He's got to uh, serve his time. That's exactly right. Uh, and then the Queen at one stage, she used to go to the FA Cup final every year, and it was the job of the head of the FA to walk her out to the car. Um, and the head of the FA, whose name escapes me at this time, was walking her out to the car after a particularly boring FA Cup final. Um, and he said, did you think anyone played well today, ma'am? And she said, yes, the band. <laughs> <laughs> she was a lot sharper from what I've, some of the interactions I've heard with her. Um, and I can't remember the name. The Kiwis were over there for a World Cup and um, they were doing the big lineup and the big meet. Yes. And um, one of the Kiwi Kiwis said... <laughs> G'day, bro. Oh, um, Queen. Uh, hello. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, it would be a little nerve-wracking, all the protocols. Hey, I'll tell you what, they didn't follow any protocols on Friday night. We called that game, mm. and the, it was all set up for the Raiders to win, right? Right, big crowd, 300th game, favourite son. Uh, all the ball in the first half, I think 66% possession at one stage. You've got a serious football team on your hands with this Warriors side, boys. Oh, we have. You're, you're actually the third Australian voice on this show. We've asked them all about it. In fact, both of them finished the interview, so here's your challenge with up the wars at the end. Um, but <laughs> that that first half, I was watching it going, oh, we're going to cave shortly. We're going to cave shortly, and they yeah. just didn't. Boy, that defensive performance in that first half, Jimmy. Um, yep. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I think it's the best I've ever seen from the Warriors. Uh, well, we love getting ahead of ourselves on this program, so, you know, <laughs> uh, go for it. What about when uh, I was calling with Spud Carroll and Timmy Manor when SJ, Vintage, put that uh, kick in and we went, oh, and he's uh, unfortunately he's kicked it. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Here, Dallin. Oh, wow. Dallin. Oh, I mean, Dallin scored some spectacular tries in his times, however... That's just unbelievable. That was amazing, that try on mm. Friday night. Yeah. Was, um, so we, we're pretty comfortable we're going to make top eight. Now everyone's all of a sudden saying, can we make top four? Can yeah. we make top four? We've got a lot of players out still to come back. Yeah. And if you can't make top four, you can't win the comp, history says. Yes. And top four, does that give us a home game? Uh, no, not necessarily. If you finish three or four, you'd be at one or two. You can finish five or six, you get a home semi. Ah. Okay. Yeah. But no, but if you if you finish third or fourth and you won, you're then getting a home game the next week, oh, aren't you? Well, it doesn't guarantee. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. I see yeah. what you're saying. Actually, you finish three or four and you lose. You get another game. You get a, you home, get a home game. Yeah. So oh, you get yeah. a home game regardless. So, okay. so you'll get a home game, but you won't get it in week one. No. Gotcha. You might get it week two, maybe week three. Will we get in top four, Jimmy? Early days, I know. <laughs> you know what we're talking about? Complete hypothetical. So, yeah. you know. I'll Will it surprise no. I'll you? I'll say no. Uh, uh, if you finish top four, it would surprise me. Okay. Prepare yep. to be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be surprised next week when we arrive on time again. I know. That's what I say. I have a new normal. Awesome, right, Jimmy. Exactly. Good on you, lads. Take Enjoy. it easy. Jimmy Smith, he does afternoons with Jimmy over there in Sydney town. We'll come back and find out what happened back on the day very shortly. Getting you through the day like a hot cuppa after lunch. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Here's what happened back in the day. Uh, June 12, 1991, the Chicago Bulls won their first NBA championship with a victory over the Lakers. Final seconds, Magic's three-point attempt blocked. Pippen comes away with it. And the Chicago Bulls have won their first ever NBA championship. That was 91, and they won six more titles in the 90s. Birthdays today, Javid Meandad, former Pakistan captain. Rod Latham, former Black Caps batsman. Lewis Moody, former English flanker. He's 45. And Brian Habana turns 40. Boy Rogers, and there's a breakout. Look out! Can they catch this man? Habana, he's done it again! Habana, from his goal line, a turnover, Australia. And the turbocharged winger has left a trail of defenders. The Bucks back in the lead. And another turbocharged winger, Tim Nanai Williams, turns 34 today. The former chief currently at Toulouse, I think. Uh, on this day in 86, the number one movie was Legend and the number one song was by Prince. Come on.
We will see you tomorrow. Big thanks to Sammy Hewitt for chucking all of this together. Always enjoy Mondays. Thanks a lot for all of your feedback, as always, on the phone and text. Beaver and Kirst, they'll join you along with Brad from 3 to 6. Catch you tomorrow.